Hello and welcome to episode 1015 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, February 18th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning to you. Just making sure it was still morning where I am, and it is. We're both coming to you at the morning, uh, coming to you in the morning. Um, how have you been? How's your week? Oh, week's going all right. I've been fighting a cold, and uh, yeah, my kid got some sort of respiratory infection. Not COVID. Still, That's good. That's still, good. still not COVID. So, but been fighting that. Was up really, really late prepping an article for next week uh, and dropping an article for today on mm-hmm. relief pitcher ADP. So, uh, yeah. So I'm a little tired this morning, a little sluggish, but I'm here. I'm ready to talk about our fades. Yeah, let's fight through and talk some fades here. Gonna get a little negative, but uh, you know, there's always some guys out there that you're just not getting based on their market price and maybe just in general too. Sometimes the market price doesn't even really change things. If you're super out on a guy that he he, he could fall and you'd be like, no, still not getting it. But obviously we're going to focus on the price at hand right now. We're going to go position by position, except for a relief pitcher because it's still such a mess and talk through some guys that, uh, that we're kind of off on. Obviously I wrote an article week or so ago about five guys. I'm just taking off my board. That is definitely something that's being discussed a lot more is you know, culling the uh, the draft pool, depending on uh, what kind of league you're in and, and really understanding the, the players that you want per round. So this is just running through and, and talking about some guys that, that we're not in on. And, hey, maybe there'll be a discussion that, that changes a mind or two one way or the other. But let's get in to catcher, and we'll start with a uh, guy who I had on that, uh, that list of five that I'm taking off, and it's Sal Perez. And this one's pretty straightforward. I think those that – even those that are in – probably have a firm understanding of why people are out. Um, they're choosing to, to stay bought in. And for me, this gets into the weird like um, projections and and the way replacement value at catcher is treated. Because when I wrote that article about how, you know, these are five players I'm removing, uh, there was a comment about somebody who said they did a 180 on Sal Perez. They were out. And then they said, you know what? Actually, I'm in because even if he only puts up his 2016 season, uh, that would be worth like a, a 35th or 40th best hitter in their projections or something like that. To me, that just that doesn't add up. Um, I understand replacement value, and I understand that you can have an advantage at catcher, but Sal Perez's 2016 is basically what Wilson Contreras is projected for. And I got to be honest, you know that that person's projection system. It, isn't too far off the bad X because where do you think Wilson Contreras ranks in the bad X? He's uh, I mean, first. Yeah, we talked about this before, so I didn't yeah. want to act like I already but knew he, the answer. He's, but... he's 31st <laughs> with the line. And for just for reference, Sal Perez's 2016 is 22 homer, 64 rubies, 247 average, and 57 runs. And I hate to show my ass about how much, uh, how little I understand the inner workings of projections. But I'm sorry if I draft Sal Perez and that's the, that's the season I get, I am livid. I'm not thinking like, oh, well, he just hit the low end and he's still worth a top forty hitter. And again, I, I I inherently understand the value of catcher and how you can get an advantage there with having two good catchers. I don't know that I can get to the spot where Wilson Contreras's actual talent yields minus four dollars, but because of the position adjustment, he's a nineteen dollar hitter. On our auction calculator. 
Yeah, uh, he he's the guy I'm fading the most. In terms well, so, of sorry, that, I was talking about the Wilson Contreras one. Sal Perez actually is even higher. Wilson Contreras I reference only because of that 2016. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I, but Sal Perez is tenth from the bad X at uh, thirty one dollars and thirty cents, tenth hitter overall. Yeah, I just I I have a really hard time taking a catcher that early. Yeah. Um, and, for reference, what's Sal Perez is going um, 34th. Yeah, I mean, he, I've been seeing him go in the second round. Um, I think as relief pitcher has uh, risen, mm -hmm. uh, rised, um, uh, as it's risen, we're seeing him dip into the third round. The last time a catcher was going this high was in 2018. That's what I was, I was just looking up for those of you who might be watching uh, uh, and why uh, I was like, turned away from you while you're you're talking about that uh it's to 2018 do you remember who it was that was going that high you're actually going higher than this was it was it not jt jtr it was, it was not i I'm GT, Rom, gt remoto was going 108 in 2018 who was um it? but there was a catcher going 18th or 19th overall wait what Yes. Why am I forgetting this? I'm it was memory. Gary Sanchez. Oh my God! Yes. Yep. So I mean, Gary Sanchez is living largely, you know, due to performance that he obviously didn't return that value and hasn't returned any value pretty much since. Because he had that disgusting 2017, 33 mm -hmm. homers, 90 ribbies, 278 with 79 runs. Yeah. Do you know what he did in 2018? Oh, I, I doubt he hit his body weight. Not that, yeah. 186, yeah. 18, 53, 51. Yeah. I, and I remember in, I think, a league, like, taking him in the second round. I, I, think, I think I jumped in pretty early that year, too, yeah. in, in one of my leagues, thinking, you know, I got so much wiggle room. Same same principle that people are applying mm -hmm. to Sal. And listen, I don't think Sal Perez is going to fall off to that degree. Um, that commenter, like I said, referenced his 2016, which is a pretty pedestrian season and was saying like, oh, it still checks out as a top 40 season. Maybe in your auction calculator with your catcher replacement value. Sure. But boy, if I'm taking a catcher that high, I need the stats. I can't just go off of the, the quote unquote value. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, and I'm sure the, the, the projection people that are really in the weeds on it will tell me I'm an idiot, but. And they'd be I right. I can't get there. I can't um, get there. Yeah, they, they'd be right. We're definitely dumb. But at the same time, like, I just – catchers get hurt so often, man. Mm -hmm. I just – I really can't make that argument to myself that he should be going in the third round. You know, if he falls to the fourth round in a league, I'll, I'll take a peek. I, I've drafted uh, Rio Muto a few times. I've drafted Will Smith. Like, I'm totally okay taking, like, a top six or seven catcher. Same, yeah. But I, I, like I mentioned to you, like if I don't get, you know, a top six, seven, eight guy, you know, that I really like, I'll probably wait. I'll wait a while. Um, who who are you just, getting then, though? You gotta be too. You gotta be careful not to go too far, because then you are taking negatives. Um, well, that is a good question. And what like if I'll you're going Eric Haas, Jacob Stallings, you're taking a hit. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going those guys, but. Okay. I, mean, I just picked out two, two guys that I would think is not a good combo. Yeah, and of, of course I'm having a hard time getting to the right page. But uh, let's see. Like, are the... you talking Omar Narvaez, Carson Kelly, Max Stassi? Are you talking about guys like that? 
Yeah, I think okay. those guys. I think those guys are fine. Um, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, uh, you know, Jorge Faro's on. You know, over fifty percent of my teams. Uh, though he's probably not a catcher one on you're, both. You're just hoping he plays some of that outfield, huh? No, I mean they traded for him, right? No, I know. I'm and I'm just like, saying, like non-catching catcher all day, mm-hmm. gimme. Yeah, and what I mean, I tend to spread out my catchers quite a bit. So like I'm not right. usually very highly invested in any catcher. Yeah. Um like because said, like they get, they get hurt, you yeah. know. And I, as much as I like Sal Perez, and I think you know, he's obviously a huge boon for anybody who drafted him last year i was not one of those people no, uh, that i can either. remember uh taking him um and i know he's been kind of just like a horse in mm-hmm. terms of production you just wonder how long he can physically do that yeah like, and i mean he was amazing in 20 as well that's the thing like sal perez didn't just come out of nowhere this past year he you know if you're a sal perez believer you might have seen the 37 games from 2020 and said this is the start of of an emergence here, and I'm going to keep it going. And then you got 48-121. That's amazing. Like, it was truly amazing. He doesn't need to do that. I will fully grant that. That's obvious. But, I mean, what did he change that says that he's now this guy or even all that close to it? Well, I mean, it looks like, like his homer to five ball ratio is through the roof. Um. So that's good. And, I mean, do we really project him for like 600 plus play appearances? I know we got it in the projections are, which that's wild for a catcher. He's he's only he has not had a season in which he got 550 or more since 2015. Um, you know, I think last year was inflated because 2020 was so short. He was injured also in part of 2020, but mm-hmm. not with like a leg. It was like an eye infection. So they just grinded um, him down to a, a pulp last year. Well, he was fresh. Yeah, exactly. They could will, just he be, will he be fresh coming off of that many innings behind the, the plate? These Sal Perez projections too get me. I'm surprised that they're they're just they're so hot. Like they they they're essentially mid 30s homers and just about 100 ribbies, with the bat even going 4106. And like, that's so robust. So, you know, it it justifies what people are doing. They they feel like, oh, well, even the projections like him. He's just not for me. He's just not for me. I can't get there with Sal Perez. And you can't either. We both put him on our list here. So we're just out. Um, Jumping a bit further. I was just saying, he made a lot less zone contact last year. Like, he... He made you know his zone contact for a, for his career is almost ninety percent. It's almost exactly ninety percent. He was eighty three point three percent last year. His swing strike rate did soar up to eighteen percent. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have good plate skills. I believe in the power. I believe that he's a workhorse. I like Sal Perez as a player. I can't get him on my fantasy team at this price. Just, yeah, me neither. Yeah. Jumping way further down, um, Big Z. I, I Mike Zanino. You're paying for the career year, and that career year still had a 216 average. You you couldn't like he's nowhere near a level that I would pay. He needs to be um, Mike Zanino over the last month going about 249. He need he would need to be at least 100 picks cheaper for me to even start considering him. Like I, I can't I can't do it. He's got pop, but this is the <laughs> this, first time he jumped up seems, to 30 homers. This seems personal. 
I mean, it is. I, I can't stand him. He's terrible. <laughs> no, uh, he did lose me a batting average bet back in 2017 when I conned my friend Dusty into uh, batting his Sorry. money on Mike Zanino's batting average, <laughs> which was like the dumbest thing ever. I was like, oh, you just want to light money on fire. And then Mike Zanino hit 251. I don't think you can add two of his other years up together to get 251. And this slug comes out and does that. So I've had beef with him ever since 2017. You're right. That said, jokes aside, I can be honest about him and say, I don't think you're getting another 30 homers. So you're going to get that dead weight batting average with 20 something homers at pick 249. No shot. No shot. He seriously, he'd have to be a hundred picks cheaper for me to start considering him. I'm not even kidding though. Um, um, uh, I think he like Danny, uh, Danny Jansen goes there, by the way. And I think Danny Jansen can do can do the same thing. Uh, I don't think Danny Jansen can do quite what uh quite he can, what. Do, he can do what Zanino does this year. Not saying he's gonna do Zanino's last year. I mean he can do whatever Zanino's gonna do this year. Zanino's just not he's just not a good hitter, man. Like it's it's very simple. He's got power, but unless he's running hot on homers. What are you getting? He had a 30% homer to fly ball ratio. You truly couldn't pay me to draft Mike Zanino. Um, uh, Mike Zanino led baseball in a stat cast metric. Um, barrel rate? Yeah, barrel per batted ball event, barrel per plate appearance percentage and he's not going to um, do that again like that you gotta that's the needle that you have to thread with a 35 percent strikeout rate you got to get a 30 percent homer to fly ball rate no shot no shot you're getting a low 200s average and mid 20s homers this year have fun no yeah, shot. i mean that's probably true um he's the 16th catcher going right now i think that's fine like i mean I don't. I haven't ended up with him anywhere, but he's not off my board because it. I mean, he he's got a ton of power, and the Rays really like his defense. So he's going to play a fair amount. Um, the, the more he plays, the worst. The worst, rather, because that batting average will hurt more. So I, I would almost rather almost every play. catcher's batting average at that point, or their power, or you know, is going to hurt at some point. I mean, you know, not, this is why people. Pain. This is why people go for the. You know the Sal Perez's and the in the JT Ramutos and the Will Smiths uh, of the world is because every catcher hurts after a certain point. I mean, after a certain point, but not at sixteen. He's going sixteen. Some something you said, like you know uh, Wilson Contreras, right? He he had like twenty three dollars of projected value and well, no twenty nineteen. And, and then 23 20, of its position value. Yeah, 20, so I mean every every catcher is it's like shitty. Like he's the, much worse. I, like, I, 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 the, I I grant this. This is the not thing of it is that's what, that's what I'm saying though. Like you you don't want that. Yeah, that's fine. I you mean don't it, if that. you don't if you don't want him, like that's it's not a big deal. It's it's you know, your catcher too. Um you just go a different direction. Uh my guy I think is gonna be a little bit more hotly debated. Yeah, because um, I, I fully disagree with you. And it's Christian Vasquez. Why out on him? Have you seen his StatCast profile? It was a rough season. Plain and simple. Like All, all that's going to tell me is what the 77 WRC Plus already tells me, though. 
I'm, I'm not I'm not betting on 2021. I'm betting on a rebound. Obviously, four percent homer to fly ball rate, seventy-seven, seventy-seven WRC plus. Like again, that's just going to be retelling me what I already see in this. Go, I mean, go ahead, but like, I'm not betting on him to do that again, though. I'm looking at the guy he was in nineteen and twenty. But why? Why would why when you look at the underlying metrics? Why would I only think twenty-one is who somebody is just because it's bad? Any more than I would think it just because it's good. I mean, it's really bad. Okay. It was like, a shit season. Really, really, it was, a, really it was a terrible season. Yep. The only thing that saved him were eight stolen bases, which. Okay. I this don't is how, know how, this is how you would have talked about Zanino coming into last year, right? Like 83, 46, 67. Those are his WRC pluses. And then he goes out and puts up a 134. And I'm not saying that they're the same, but I'm saying you, you can't just take him for what he is this year and say that's who he is now. No, because. You would have looked at Zanino and you would have gone under the hood and go, oh, look, even in spite of the struggles, he had an 18% barrel percentage in 20. No, I wouldn't have said that. I would have said he's still terrible. (laughs) I'm sure. I mean, you would. I wouldn't. I would have said, you know, hey, you know, even the, you know, the underlying stuff tells me that, hey, maybe he's not as terrible as the line says. Mm, But he is. What, what What Vasquez's metrics are telling me is, there is no more pop in that bat. Like he is probably not a double digit homer guy. And if we take away some of those stolen bases because he's like 19th percentile in sprint speed. Who cares? So- sprint, stop using sprint speed for steals, guys. Stop. It's not a good metric for sprint for steal. Like you having it can be good. It is not a prerequisite to stealing I bases, though. Absolutely understand. But a catcher who is older that isn't fast. Yes, he 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 made some. You know, he, he's a smart base runner. He takes advantage. Uh, he understands like how pitchers and catchers work in terms of stealing bases. But I'm not going to bank on eight stolen bases again from him. I'm gonna I'm gonna play that a lot more conservatively and say maybe he gets four, and then he's like a you know eight homer, four stolen base guy at the catcher. But I don't want that. Why? With a 250-something average, he hit 258 last year. He was 12. With that, with a 77 WRC+, plus, he was the 12th best catcher last year. Oh, that's so gross. So, I, I mean, I, I'm fine with that. Like, if he is 8 and 5, like, I, I would rather something better. I think he can, on the high end, be more of, like, 12 and, and 7 or something. Um, yeah, almost every single one of his stat casts metrics that's fine it was a bad year in a single digit we're not talking about a bad year we're talking about single digit percentile what does it matter how bad it is it's bad it's bad bad is bad it was a 77 wrc plus and in spite of that because of how garbage catcher is he was still um he was still up there so i mean you look at steamer let's look at steamer because they have eight and five which is kind of what you said eight and five for vasquez puts him they got him 22, eight and five with a 253 average. So that's a 22nd catcher. Um, that oh, yeah. they have much. They have much lower runs and ribbies. That's why I was like, wow, because uh, the bat X has 10 and five, and he checks out much higher. So I think it's a runs ribbies thing. He, he's 16th on their board. Where's he going overall? Christian Vasquez is the 11th catcher at pick 210. Yeah, yeah, I'm not removing him off the board. If I can get some steals at catcher, I would take last year. 
six eight with a two fifty eight. If he's going around catcher twenty in a draft, then I guess he's probably not technically off my board, but he's just never there. Like I just I am never gonna get him at this price. It's just... I mean, I I get him around Zanino's price. Like he he has a range of one fifty one to two ninety two two ninety six. Excuse me for his two ten ADP for Vasquez, and so around Zanino, around pick two fifty, I'll, I'll take Vasquez all day. Because I I like some cheap speed at catcher, that, um, yeah, even if it is five steals with, with just... a batting average too. Like you know, keep, keep getting some base hits for me with a couple steals, and if the power doesn't return, that's okay. That's okay. Like I grant that it's bad. He's not some primary target of mine, but I do think Vasquez is being a little bit slept on. So, uh, cause I, I was with you, I had him like 24th in my first ranking and he moved way up, um, in the second one that's available on Patreon and will soon be going up on the website on fan So I'm more in on Vasquez than you. I understand what you're saying about the stack. It was bad. It was a very, very bad season, but like, where was this stat cast in 19 or, um, I guess in 20 since it, it was more recent, but it's only 47 games. But like guys, guys go up and down, especially catchers, catchers range of outcomes are even bigger than the normal distribution. So for me, like I'm just not going to lose my mind over the bad stat cast because I feel like the 77 WRC plus already told me that he had bad stat cast. Yeah. I mean, he definitely was worse in, you know, you compare like 2019 or 2020 to 2021. But I mean, he was always a bad barrel catcher. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm being too harsh. I'm still never going to draft him. I'm being a little too harsh, but I'm still never going to draft him. This is not fair enough. Happen. Fair enough. I, I like, I like me some Christian Vasquez. I can definitely get there. Let's move over to first. We spent a lot of time on catcher, so we might have to pick up pace. But mine, mine's easy because it's not even like a super hate on this guy, but I'm not taking Jose Abreu. Um, at his price, like I, I respect what he does. It, he's good. I don't have just, negative. It's just a price thing. It's just a price thing and okay. other players. That's that's it. It's not negative on a brand new. Both a, of my both of mine are Matt Olson and Vlad Guerrero Jr. I feel the same way. It's yeah. just, I'm just it, not going to at their price because we like guy. other guys. I want speed or pitching, like. You know, you so, yeah, especially to- those two because those are premiums. That's Vlad's obviously a top eight pick, um, and Matt Olson is a, is a top three round guy. And you don't want to get just that power only guy. Abreu jumps down; he's at seventy eight. But I just keep looking at at Jared Walsh, CJ Crone, Josh Bell, and even a Reese Hoskins, and maybe even a Joey Votto, and thinking that I'm not getting anything that different. And I grant that Abreu is a stalwart. Yeah, I think um, I think you're paying for the safety, uh, which is which is and, fine and I a great mind. lineup too. Yeah, yeah like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't hate that. him. So well, I'm a I'll, little. I did a little bit more digging on on Walsh. I'm a little worried because the second half, because of his work against lefties. Yeah, he was it was a disaster. Second half was awful too. Like when he came back from that injury, yeah. I'm and because I had him pretty high and I have dropped him recently um i'm not out i was still drafted i mean he was still you know he was uh uh, inches away from 3100 with a 277 despite all that yeah i know so that's that's why like i i i I understand the makeup of it is now gone so like 
Like he's not he, he's not really at a platoon risk. I don't know that they have anybody on that roster that they can platoon him with. He anyways. certainly won't start every day against lefties, but he also had a 177 Babbitt. Now to counter that, he had a 416 against righties. So that's going to come down, but the yeah. lefty one should go up. Now the lefty one won't go up enough to counterbalance where the 416 is going to come down against righties. I fully grant that. So don't put him down for a 277. That's okay. Put him down for a 260. But I'm, I still think the 3,100, which I, I know he didn't reach. It's 29.98 for Jared Walsh, but I'm, I'm shorthanding it. I think I'm still getting that. If I go 260, 28.90, what do you think about uh, that from Walsh? 260, 28.90. I think that's attainable. I really do. Like, um, I'm just that's, really. That's where I'm living mentally with him. I mean, he, he murders righties. So, yeah. Like, I do think that could carry him. I just worry a little bit about how bad he is against lefties. That's fair. It was it was awful. But, you know, Babbitt has – even though we know lefties struggle against lefties, it's the hardest set, lefty, mm-hmm. lefty, righty, righty, and then the opposite hand. And it's the hardest one to do because they don't see a lot of lefties coming up. It's it's a big challenge at the major league level. In spite of that, though, you still got to give some credit on a 177 Babbitt and say that that's – natural regression got to bring that up some. Mm-hmm. Right, he's a career 214, which is again still not great. So, I'm not here to suggest that he's good against lefties or going to be, but I do think that Walsh can get back to like a low 200s average while still hitting some homers because he still hit uh, 10 homers against them last year. So, there was he's still got power, yeah. yeah he, he almost had a 200 ISO against lefties despite the brutal batting average. So that's why I'm like, you know, maybe it's not a complete lost cause against lefties for Jared Walsh. Now, I also grant that that second half wasn't particularly good. I believe he had an injury, and then when he came back from said injury, oh, he closed strong, though. September was was pretty good. He had a lull there. July was a disaster into August for Jared Walsh, but he closed with a bang, 330 with four homers and 19 ribs in September. So uh, you don't have him on your off list, though, right? You're just saying that you have all. No, no, I, ju- I just dropped him. Okay I, okay. I dropped him behind like CJ Cron and Reese Hoskins. That's okay. I'm, and, I'm on the prone train. Yeah. Um, I think I dropped him behind. Oh, I have it right. I think I dropped him behind Joey Votto. Uh, so I, I dropped him from seven to 13. Um, seven to thirteen. Okay, so a pretty big drop. I, yeah, that is that's substantial. I still got he, him at nine. He kind of moves from the top of that tier um, to the bottom. Okay. So he's still in the same tier, um, but he just he drops all the way to the bottom as opposed to leading off kind of that next tier of catchers after a break or uh, first breakman right. after a breakman a break. Okay, um, back to break. I'm not out on a break. I mean, you know he. He's just such a steady Eddie guy. He really is. And I, I really feel do like, I like getting guys get. like that. Yeah. It, like it's a firm base to just set and forget. Mm-hmm. You talk about 3,100. That's my man right there. 3,100 yeah. with, with the Brayu. But he's going to be 35. And I just feel like I can, I can damn near replicate him with a lot of guys. Crone Bell, um, a healthy Hoskins. Like I said, maybe even Votto. Votto certainly gets there in projections. Like projections think that that Votto can kind of match him. And so again, it's not, it's not a hate on a Brayu. It's more of a, I'll go get that about 30 picks later uh, or and damn near. I think that's fair. I, you know, I think the kind of question becomes, what do you think the batting average looks like for a Brayu next year? Yeah. He, Cause I mean, he's been a guy who kind of bounces around in terms of batting average. Um, 
but 265 is, is pretty low for a guy with his his ability to make contact. Uh, you know, he had a, a pretty close to career low uh, BABIP last year. I think he's like more of a 280 hitter, and that's where you start to go, okay, I'm getting those 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, 280. That um, would change things for sure. You know, all the projection system have him for 258 to 267. Um, and a batting average fluctuates, right? And there's mm-hmm. sometimes there's not much rhyme or reason. Uh, so he, he easily could, but I think there's also, I mean, he's got multiple 300, you know, batting average seasons, um, including in 2020, uh, you know, so I mean, not or one that's not that far removed. So I'm not going to get him a, a lot, season, but he's definitely, it's, I, not, I, a it's not, it's not a season, but when it's, when it's backed up in other seasons, I mean, he, you know, he also did it in 2014, uh, he did in 2017, Hit two ninety. Some two nineties. Hit two eighty four in twenty nineteen. I get it. Yeah, again, Abreu. Like you know, you want runs. You want power. You want power establishment. Um, the hard part is the the lack of speed. And I was like, going to say that too. Not not only that can hurt the batting average too. And mm-hmm. that as he gets older is going to start eating some extra ba- bases, and also some extra base hits. Some doubles become singles type deal. So um, you know you'll see you'll see some singles stolen because they can play him deeper, Pujols style. And then some of his extra base power will, will come back because he crushes it into the gap. But then they get there and he's not even uh, around first yet. Um, but again, I'm not here to, to cut down a break. It's not that I dislike him. There are scenarios where I would take him if he falls past the 78 ADP that he has. He does range as low as 106, which would put him more um, around LeMahieu and Mountcastle. And I would triple digit pick. I would start to get back in on a break. So, you know, <sighs> I should maybe I shouldn't put him on here because I said off the board, but I just don't really see him falling down there. I know he has a 106 max, not in any of the rooms I'm in, not even close. He doesn't even get to his yeah. ADP in the rooms I'm in. So there's a lot of Embraer fans, which I respect, but I'd rather take Alonzo. I'll take I think Alonzo is Abreu ish earlier with more pop, trading a little mm-hmm. bit of that batting average, or Crone, Walsh, Bell, Hoskins. Those four, and, and I think that- I can replicate him a little bit. Yeah, and usually that's what I'm doing too. So I, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you necessarily. Just, yeah, um, but we we do need to give him his props. He's awesome, and I get that. And so you had Vlad Jr. and Matt Olson again. Price, it's you're not, all price. You're um, not giving up that speed. You, you said speed and pitching is why you can't because yeah. you want speed in the first round when Vlad goes, and then pitching in the third round when Olson goes. Is that what you're saying? Or or vice versa. Like yeah, I, I mean that's you true. know like even if I just look at like starting with Vlad Guerrero Jr. like. I start looking at the the guys going behind him in ADP. Um, I'll take Corbin Burns over him. I'll take Bryce Harper. I'll take Acuna. Uh, I don't really want to take Otani because um, I don't love the idea of starting my team off with a DH, but I still would sure. take him over Vlad Guerrero because he steals bases, right? Yeah. Um, I'd definitely take Kyle Tucker, uh, Luis Robert, Mookie Betts, um, you know, now, now we're already into the second round. Yeah. Uh, I take Albies. You know, we had that discussion recently, mm-hmm. which I had multiple people jump into my DMs and go, oh, why'd you have to talk about him as a first rounder? You're ruining it for me. Hey, you put it out there. Now now, now it's now it's happening. It's yeah. a thing. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, there's just so many guys I would oh, take. I min-picked him. I didn't realize that. 
Oh, did you? T- you're the ten I'm, min pick. Yeah, I'm in pick to Albies. I I like, think that's fair actually. I'm fine with it. Like I really am. Like thirty twenty. Um, you know, I, I think the average can come up even if the power comes down. I I, I he's so young. Yeah, I love Albies. I'm I'm totally totally there on yeah. that. Um, let's go over to Albies's position here. Transition over to second base. Could he use this guy at short? This one's a little rote. A lot of people are like this. It, it's a pro or con. I, there's a few people that are in between on Jazz Chisholm. You either love them or you're not really in. Uh, and I'm on the not really in. Why? Because I, I, I like Jazz Chisholm. Um, love the player. Rooting for him. It, it, it's the volatility of it all. Um, I understand he went 18-23 last year, yeah. and it wasn't even – he didn't even really get – like he, he had a good – run but like this wasn't even his best season and he damn near went 2020 i get that but he's got a platoon issue where he can't hit lefties that well and a lot of his success was just built on april like completely and because if you lop that april off those numbers get a lot worse he he had a 969 ops in april with a 311 batting average four homers nine steals he got hurt so he misses half of May. And listen, if you're wiping away some of the concern of what I'm going to give you with these May n- on numbers from the injury and saying, well, a healthy uh, Jazz is going to be fine, I can understand that. But from May 16th on, when he returned from injury, he went 14-14 with the 236 average, and that's a full season 22-22 with 71 ribbies and 92 runs, which, like, how would you feel about that if he went 236, 22-22, 71-92? I'd be fine with that. Yeah, like it, it's not like I mean, you'll definitely have to figure terrible. out you have to figure out how to make up that batting average, but mm-hmm. um, that's still to a twenty twenty season. I know, like that's. I think that's fine where he's gone. Um, now he's not like a main target for me, but I've been in a draft where he fell to me in the sixth round, and I went. It's, it's a bit rich for me, and the projections pretty much. The, the projections are starting with him at at that. They're basically giving him that from May on season because all the projections are 2020, but they're with averages that range from 228 to 241 for Jazz because of his swing and miss. And I just feel like we could see another developmental year where it's like maybe a, an incremental step forward and then he explodes the following year. I understand wanting to buy a talent like this, right, and bet on the come and say, hey, tweaks a couple things and he's off to the races and boom 30 30 i get it but i have not found myself taking him at all to the point where he's basically off my board because i just i don't ever i don't ever get there i'll take polanco uh brandon lau Cattell Marte, jonathan india well maybe not india i actually i don't know india if i if i got my speed kind of locked because that's the thing if jazz is around there are there's a scenario. He's not a million percent off the board, but for the most part, where I have him, I don't ever get him. So I think I'm out on Jazz Chisholm. I got him 14th at second base, and he's going as the ninth guy off the board there. Um, yeah, I, I will definitely end. Uh, I mean, I've already gotten Chisholm on a team. Um, okay, at least at least one, maybe maybe two. I'm not like particularly high on him though either so like i'm not i've got him 11th at second base 
Um, so it's not like it's not like he's a major draft target for me. I just yeah. I see that upside, and that is tantalizing. I think the the main concern for me isn't so much the underlying metrics; it's the health. Well, that's, you know, that's a big concern too. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's that's the reason why he isn't. If if if, if he had played a full season last year and hadn't really been injured, or only maybe had one minor injury or something like that, I'd probably be taking him uh, as a... I'd probably be taking him like right behind Javier Baez. Baez, yeah. Lau That's or, where he'd be going. Yeah. That's what you'd I, have to be paying. So I'm fine with the price as it is. Um, I'd prefer to get him when he's a little bit later. I'm just... Man, especially the speed, like... It's so hard to find that many stolen bases, 20 plus stolen bases uh, later in the draft. So I, I'm, you know, and then you have the upside of him just staying healthy and going bonkers for a full season. I don't think he fixed the strikeout rate, though. I don't, yeah. I don't think he just like fixes it on a dime. I mean, 13% swing strike rate isn't crazy, but I don't know. I think he's just going to be a batting average risk, but the power speed has value for Jazz. I just I, I can't get there right now with it. I, I, I take other risks, so it's not like I'm risk averse here. You know, I take guys like Mondesi and Buxton. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and like chastise anybody who takes Jazz. Like if that's your guy and that's the kind of risk you want to take, I get it. There, there, you know, he's one of the most exciting players in the game. Where I'm looking, I don't see myself getting him. He walked at a double digit rate in the minors in 2019 mm-hmm. um i wonder if he you know now that he's more established he becomes a little bit more patient who, who knows but remember um, he, he was also on our list of potential fades via the bad x so mm-hmm. that they're they're a little tepid on him too even though the the projection was still a 2020 yeah like jazz like i understand batting average carries a lot of weight as it should um well the bad x too has him for like 59 RBIs. I'm so uh, curious about that uh, that double-digit walk rate, by the way, because who was walking? I mean, he was hitting 204, striking out 34% of the time. I don't understand why anybody was walking Jazz in 2019. It's very bizarre. But anyway, so that's that's where I'm at right now. Um, I just I just don't see myself getting there with Jazz. I, I, think, uh, some, I think James Anderson's big on him, which definitely makes me question myself because James Anderson's really smart. But I can't number just turn two, on your dime. Number two overall, like TGFBI, like historically, James Anderson. Like, great, he's a great he's player. Really good player. Yeah. But um, on this one, we disagree. I'm with James. I mean, I'm not actually with James. I am letting James take the lead, and I will take whatever's left over. Um, my, I had a really hard time with this position. Second base yeah. is not easy. The, it's hard to really thing. get rid of guys, right? Because it's such a bad position that you got to keep everyone on board is pretty much and, what I think you're thinking, right? And spoiler alert, third place is exactly the same way. Yeah. Uh, I went with Max Muncy. Injuries, I just do not trust. Uh, like, And this is like a true example of he is completely off my board. Yeah, like, you haven't even ranked him. Yeah. No, I've got him ranked somewhere, but it's super, super low. And... Uh, but I, like I've been in drafts where he's dropped outside of the top 300 and still not picked up. Um, I'm just not. He's just not going to end up on any of my teams. Which is, you know, for for those who who, who know me, I, I've loved Max Muncy. 
I, you know, I be, prior to the injury when my first set of ranks were made, I had him like fourth at second base. Yeah, like, I mean, I love Muncie too. I, I'm nervous about the health too, but I still got him. I got, I got him. Uh, I got him top twenty at first and second. I, I do not. I, I have, let's see, Muncie. I have him at thirty six, right behind the other guy uh, that I put on for second base, which is Jeff McNeil. I got Jeff McNeil um, at forty. I'm out on him yeah. too. So both those guys, I just neither are going to end up on any of my teams this year. Uh, I, I want to be wrong on Muncie because I like Muncie a lot. I hope he's healthy. If he's healthy, you will be, but we mm-hmm. we don't. There, there's no reason for you to feel like you're completely wrong by yeah. being nervous about him right now. So, especially with having no idea where he's at in terms of his health, he's just until I see him play and and at least play for a little while, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to feel comfortable drafting him. Which means, especially with this year and and probably getting a shortened spring training, if any spring training at all. Um, well, doesn't every like anything that, that that delays the season doesn't that help somebody like like Muncie? I don't know Is if it, it helps a guy like Muncie if he misses. He, if if the season if they miss games, then won't he play a bigger percentage of the games they do play? Not if he needs surgery. Well, yeah, I guess he could be like out out. Yeah, and my big fear is that he's going to be out out that he needs surgery. Um, that this isn't a rest and rehabilitation thing, um, that eventually he's going to need surgery, uh, and that we're going to find out really early into the season or, or into whatever spring training we get that he that he needs surgery. So until I know, and like I've seen him on the field, you know, back to back days, and you know, and he's fine and hitting bombs, and until I see that, ugh, and even when I see that, I'm probably gonna have a hard time taking him. Wait, even if he's healthy, you're not taking him? I just feel like it's like that like that's such a I mean it's a UCL injury. It's you know, how many how many pitchers do we do, you know, with you know partially torn UCLs do we just go? I'm not and I know it's different for a hitter. Obviously mm-hmm. it's different for a hitter, but I just I'm afraid it's gonna pop at some point and then I get nothing, you know. So okay. I'm just not gonna draft him. All right. Um, and then, uh, you know, Jeff McNeil sucks. Like that's my analysis. Like, uh, sorry, Alex. Like he's he's going. <laughs> Wait, why did you say sorry, Alex? Alex Chamberlain oh, loves oh, it's, him. Oh, Chamberlain's a, a McNeil guy. Um, he's I I mentioned this. It might have been on the pod with you. I was like, oh, I can always get just Jeff McNeil later. And then you were like, no, Jeff McNeil's actually still going like around pick three hundred. And I'm like. What? Uh, oh, it was when we were talking about Dom Smith and um, and JD Davis, and both of them are going oh, yeah, after yeah, yeah. McNeil. And yeah. I I don't get that. Like, well, I think he plays more positions ostensibly. I mean, he doesn't play them well, but no, I'm not in on on Jeff McNeil either. Like, he was a rabbit ball guy, like a hundred percent. It just seems mm-hmm. so clear that that's where that power spike came from. We haven't seen really any power since. Didn't he hit four homers in a row in 2020 after having zero? Oh, and most people were going season. crazy. Like, it's coming. The Jack McNeil season. Uh, he, he hit seven last year in 426 fight appearances. You know, he doesn't run. Um, he hit 251 last year. I think he's better than a 251. You know, that's kind of the downside. But uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not I'm not taking Jack McNeil either. We good? Uh, 
yeah, let's talk. Let's talk shortstop because talk shortstop. my my fades are pretty easy. Um, mine's mine's easy too. He was in the article too. It was Walter yeah. Franco. Like great player, excellent. I really think that he's going to still be a positive major league player off rip. He was, you know, last year his first full season. I think he will be too. I'm not paying that premium at fantasy because I don't. Here's the thing: even if he pops off. What what is popping off with like for Wander Franco this year in terms of like its fantasy relevance? I don't believe in him as a speed component. Yeah, like I don't think he's like a, I think he's like a, a low double digit guy if he even gets there. He was a dreadful runner in the minors, um, as far as uh, attempts and and success. You know his best run at any stop was fourteen for for um, fourteen for twenty three at A ball in 2019 in 62 games. And then he, he was advanced to high A there and went four for nine. So like, what are we getting? Like we're getting a big batting average and a lot of runs and that's good. And those are two underrated categories, but I think we're going to, the output on the power and speed for somebody being drafted that high, Wander Franco at pick uh, 55 is just not high enough. And I understand that he will out average Javier Baez, but Javier Baez will be a better fantasy player. I think this year, uh, because of what he'll give you in the like the power and speed categories. We were just talking about this with uh, somebody on this episode. I'm way too tired. Um, oh, we're talking about the bright you. Betting average is fluky. Yeah. Um, and so, like, yeah, he could hit 315. He could hit 320. Mm-hmm. I honestly believe that. Like, even yeah, at his too. age. I also think that the variance in batting average uh, the amount he puts the ball on the ground, the lack of real power he has at the moment um, means like I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 260. I just think it's it's the Vlad season, like before Vlad blew up. I, I just think that that's where we're at with, but you know, so prior to last year, um, I, I think next year is going to be what Vlad did in 2021 for Wander Franco. Sorry, that's confusing. I said it stupidly, but like you did because I'm we're, I'm still confused. We're a year uh, away. Bottom line, we're a year away. I think this I, year is going to be fine, but I think next year is when Wander's really going to pop off. And 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 I don't mind paying for the comp, but we're we're paying way too much. No, I like agree. it. I mean. That's my problem. I, if I were to run projections on him, it would probably be 15 home runs, uh, five stolen bases, 280 batting average. That is not special enough. And and, and probably like 90 run scoring, um, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe 60 RBIs or something like that. I think uh, the, uh, the RBIs and the average is where you come way lower than the projection systems. Yeah. Um, but even if I say like I think there's a chance he can hit 300, 15 and five in power and stolen bases is is not a top 50 pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, by the way, I, I, I go ahead. I'm sorry, I thought you were done. I just okay. don't see that much upward mobility in terms of the power and stolen bases. Like not immediately, not immediately. Yeah. I, I do down the line. Like I, I think Wander Franco too. I be a transcendent he... player. I just think we're a year early and we're already paying for it because it could happen. And that. And I get that. I just can't get there with that price on him. Absolutely. Like I get because it, this could blow up in my face and I wouldn't even fight back. I'd be like, okay, he was ready and good for you. You got it, but you need it. That's the thing is you need him to be ready for this price to be fair. You don't have any wiggle room. 
because so if, the, if there's he, no if he's not ready to pop off then you overpay right like there how many rate how many outcomes are there where 55 is not an overpay for wonder franco not that yeah. many and and that's that's the problem because I don't see the path to it not being an overpay. That's what that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I, I mean we we are in Zapata. Are, we we are we are saying the same thing yeah, differently. Do people really think that he has like thirty homer ceiling? I don't know. Like or I, because or I don't know what's driving it. Or twenty. Like I don't under like uh, the batting average is great, but you can get three hundred hitters later on in the draft. Like you, it's you know, um, you know, you can get Michael Brantley and you can get. Uh, Brian Reynolds and you can't name that many though. In fairness, but I I hear you. Like you can get some some decent app. Like you can get Wander's profile. What we expect him to do later, they're betting on on more. But I'm wondering like where are they getting that from? You know what I think is interesting too is even though to to a person I think across the industry we all say not to do this, but then we do it when it benefits us. Uh, the extrapolation game. Notice nobody's doing that with Wander Franco 70 games because it sucks shit because he had seven homers and two steals. And you don't have anybody being like, oh, why don't you just double it and sprinkle some on? Because, you know, 14. I am. I'm actually. I mean, that's that's I, your projection. I, I, I like, literally, nope. like, even without thinking of that. Yeah. That but, is but, the projection I gave. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, obviously that's not exactly just who he is. But you can take what he did in the minors as well. The 40 games, he had seven homers and five more steals, but he was five for nine on the bases. Like everything I look at with him, with Wander Franco, I just don't know how he gets to be the 50th best player and deliver enough fantasy value. Like I guess there's a, a runs count and a batting average where he would still check out as, as worth his price. But I think what you need there, this would be an a interesting split here versus dollar value. And what you need with that pick in terms of stats to make sure you're competitive to win your league or to win an overall, because Wander Wander Franco could maybe go, deliver a dollar value that is fair enough for pick 55 because his batting average is 310 and his run scored are 90. But if he hits 14 homers or 15, like you said, and and eight steals or something, did I get enough? Did I get enough there to make myself competitive? for that overall um, or for even just the league, if that's all I get 15 and eight, even if I got the right dollar value for pick 55. And I think that's a disconnect that kind of goes back to what we talked about with the catcher thing, dollar value wise, if Sal Perez delivers a 2016 iteration, according to a lot of calculations, you got enough value to make him worth pick, you know, 36, but did you get enough production to win your league? And that's the kind of split here that I'm seeing with Wander Franco as well. So I, I hope that that made sense. Uh, I, a little bit of a diatribe there, but I no. just can't get there. I think I'll be in on him next year, but but this year it's it's a no go for me. I, I completely agree. Um, on the same token, I'm going to fade the guys that I've apparently always faded. Uh, that's you Carlos. Have. That's Carlos Correa and uh, Corey Seager. Um, Where's Correa going first? Korea's going like one oh. No, 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 sorry, sorry, that was uh, unclear on me. Yeah, uh, ADPs are good to give too, but I was going to ask you where are you putting them, what team? Oh, I think Houston. I think he goes back to Houston too. I think he goes back to Houston, and I think that'd be a fantastic fit for him. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have like a crap ton of money on the books, anyways. Uh, I think they can they can easily bring him back. He's uh, 
makes it makes a lot of sense um, for him to go to to Houston. Um, would not be surprised if he ended up with the Yankees or or one of those kind of teams either. If he, if he goes to Philly, would that encourage you? Would that intrigue you? It, no, because it doesn't matter where he goes. Okay, so this is, you're just it's, out. Regardless. It, it, it's a combination of injury history mm-hmm. and lack of speed. Okay. Like he's so just, then, then then just loop in your other guy because he has the exact same yeah issues exactly injury history and lack of speed. I don't care that he's in Texas. I don't. I think he. I think when he is healthy, he's going to be a very productive player. Mm-hmm. Um, in spite of that park and in spite of that lineup, like I don't think that that's going to be an issue for either of these guys. But there are too many shortstops that play every game and that give you a speed component with it. And I want that. I'd, I'd rather get the speed from my hated adversary of Dansby Swanson <laughs> or from Willie Adamas or guys like that, you know, just, yeah. And, I mean, those guys are more in, in like the 10 range. Mm-hmm. Um, Adamas, especially, I think Swanson. Adamas Swanson had like nine. A five. Yeah. Adamas yeah. Like five. Like give me some, just give but, me some. But you're getting some and you're getting them cheaper. They're, they're yeah, both going exactly. rounds cheaper. So, you know, the nine that we saw from Dansby last year, he does have I, a couple I tens on his partic- ledger. Yeah, I mean, particularly don't trust Dansby Swanson's health either because he's a guy that's been nicked up in his time. Yeah. Um, not but as he, much time, but... He still he still gets, you know, 551, 533, 545, yeah. 2020, and then 653 last year. Fair. But, uh, yeah, I, I like him a lot too. I like Dansby Swanson a lot. I love Willie Adamas. I'm, I'm definitely on that train. Um, I agree with, you know, I'm not, I'm not tripping too hard on Seager in Texas. Um, and then Correa undecided, but I've got them 11, 12. I've got Franco 13. Um, so that's, you know, that's where I'm at on, on those three. So I, I'm not going to fight you. You know, I, I've done the thing with, with Seager and, and I was right. Know, no, you weren't. I was, I was right. <laughs> just say it, just say it. I was right. You weren't though. I was, no, though. no, you know, I was, God, I was dude. right. It, it's getting it so nauseating with you sometimes because like you were wrong at the time. I fully proved that anybody can listen to it. And now retroactively, because he played 95 games, you're like, see, I told you the future. I'm like, okay, I, sure. But you I, like, I told you what no, no, I no. thought he had. And then he did no, no, the whole point. The whole point was he no. had one hurt, like one, just really bad season. It was 2018. Like you, you were legitimately wrong on it. You were acting like he was just this big nagging injury guy. He had 157, 145, 26 and 134 games. So it's four seasons, one with like legit missed time. And you hung on that as though that was like the reason to not draft him. He was great. Right. And you were, Oh my God. You moron. What did he do? You absolute moron. He hit 15 homers, 307. This was before 2020. You know that, right? This was before 2020 that we had this discussion. He played 52 of 60 games, and he was amazing. 2020, I don't remember, I thought. No, it was before 2020 because we do this every year. So the year that I outlined when you were like, he's this big injury risk, it was only 2018 that you were harped on with Corey Seager. And he went out, and again, if you're going to count that, I'm going to move the goalpost here and count it as a season. He played 52 of 60 games because it's a season. But, but no, he, that doesn't count. He stayed healthy for that period. I, I'm not taking a win. I've never taken a win on 2020 because it was 2020. Yeah. But then, yes, he got hurt in 2021. But the p- argument that you made pre-2020 did not hold water because he'd only really missed the one season. 2018 was the big issue with him. 
but he's going to go to Texas. You know, he's going to do his thing. He's going to hit 300-ish, decent homers. It depends how much he plays. So I understand you not wanting him with the with the depth of shortstop for Seager. I, and Correa isn't terribly different. It's interesting that I think Seager wears a lot of the injury brunt in the community, more so than Correa. Does um, he? He does, I, I think. I think right. so. I think he so. Shouldn't. I, I, he shouldn't. Well, although Correa is also coming off a healthy season, 640 plate appearances. So recency bias can help him jump up because uh, Seager only played 95 games this past year. So I, I'm not going to crush anybody that, that doesn't want to draft those guys because there's enough depth that you can do it. What about the guys smushed right in between them right now over the last month of ADP? Um, Seager at 79. Correa at 100, and then this guy, Bobby Witt Jr. at 93. You paying for that? Probably not, and I almost put him on the list. Okay. Let's talk about him a little bit because I'm open to it. He's certainly not off the list, so I couldn't put him on the list. You know, I couldn't I, put him on this this list, but what do, you, what do you think? If he signs some sort of deal or we get word that he's going to be up on opening day, I could see myself paying the price. The problem is the price will go through the fucking roof. Oh, for sure. What's wrong with the two missed weeks, though? Like how much, how much longer? How much longer can they really keep him down? Though he was so dominant at AAA. At, at some point, it'll become I, I, I agree, practice. I, it's, but they do what they want. Like I, I know, but like I, they're, they're like they're kind of interesting though too. You know, a team that I, I, really I was a year early guys, on them, so um, I, I would not expect them to. Like, I think they're a team that could easily just say, "You're coming up day one." Like, we yeah. don't care about the service time because they or have I could to just see them that, getting that deal done, like you said. Or yeah, I, I mean, I think they should I get that totally deal done. see that. Um, yeah, I'm. Maybe it's a matter of just getting burnt by uh, Kelnick last year. Sure, and don't let like, that affect you though. Because, you know, we had a decent process there. I don't think we crazy overpaid, and he just wasn't quite ready. He did start to show some signs late. But, uh, you know, Kelnick was a miss. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. But we can't let that influence our other prospects because every prospect's different. Now, Jazz at 78 versus Witt at, at 93. How do you come out? How do you come out between those two there? I know Jazz has the major league experiences that – that's enough to uh, to give you more confidence yeah, in him. I know he's going to be up day one. Yeah, he's locked. I, yeah, he's locked and loaded. Yep, that's true. I, I think that uh, Miami is a better team um, than I, I don't know about Kansas City. I think least, Kansas City's on the come up still. Yeah, I don't know that I buy that yet. I think Kansas City may they have a better lineup. I think they may leapfrog them at some point. They have a better um, lineup for sure. Their pitching isn't as good. That's fair, but. Yeah, they do have a better lineup. They yeah. could be similar teams. You're, 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 you're. you're I, I'm telling you, you're actually talking me into it right now a little bit. Um, I, I think that's part of that part I, of why. Sorry, uh, one last thing. I, that's part of why I'm out on Jazz too. I, I'll, I'm willing to just take the 20 pick discount and take Wit or 15, like the one round discount, take Wit instead. Not the exact same risk, but I, I, I think I would rather just do that instead if I'm going to take the uh, the risky junior at shortstop between those two. I'm I'm updating my ranks right now. Let's um, go. As as we're talking, uh, and I'm I've moved, I've moved a bunch of guys in like around here. So I've got to let me. Uh, my, my rankings on the site do not reflect this yet, but if you are a Patreon subscriber, you know that I have wit 
over Jazz Chisholm, 16 to 17. I am on top of each other, but I had Witt very low in my initial ranking, way down at 29. I've moved him way up. I've come around on this quite a bit. And I, I'm realizing, you know, the double, the two level season that Witt had at double A AA and triple A, this is what I this is what a top, you know, two prospect type guy does. And I mean, him or Julio Rodriguez, who's your number one? Or somebody else, I guess. But um who, who's your number one prospect in baseball? Fantasy uh, prospect, sorry. I Specific. think it's it's Specific. gotta be Witt, I think, because of his proximity. Yeah. Like I think Rodriguez is probably up this year, but I don't know when. Yeah, I, I don't either. So, That's the tough part. I agree with you. Um, but I think they're super, super close. I think that you can make the argument that Rodriguez should go ahead of them because I do think the upside might be even a little bit higher than Wits. But Wits is, I mean, sky high too. So I moved Wit up to 13. Okay. Um, right behind Jazz Chisholm. Uh, so I, I've got it Wander Franco, Chisholm, Wit. <sighs> Uh, God, I think I'm gonna put Chisholm. No, I man, I have a hard time rank, uh, kind of deciding between Franco and Chisholm, but to you guys, you're out on. <laughs> I know you can have both. How about that? All right, I'll take both. That's all right. Let's that's go, fun. let's go to third base. Let's ch- check out the hot corner. You talked about how this one's a weird one too because of the shape of it. Uh, you're like not crazy out on anybody. The guy you, you're out on, we talked about a lot, so let's go to mine real quick. It's Austin Riley. This one, this one hurts me a little bit too, and I, I always have to check myself from doing this. This is a guy we've told the story a million times. Fell in love with him at the Fall League. He had, you know, quote unquote, the sound, which, you know, when is it really different? I don't know, but that just feels like certain guys that strike the ball create a different sound that just hits your ear differently. And it absolutely it, does. It makes you snap yeah. your neck up. Yeah. I remember it with Eloy uh, Jimenez on the. But we were on the we got to be on the diamond with Eno for practice uh, for batting practice of the Arizona Fall Stars game, and watching Eloy in the, in the cage, same thing. It was like holy crap, this is different. The the story with Riley, if you don't know, f- for folks that don't know, was back in 2017 we're at the Fall League opening night, so we're having our conversations. We're pretty dialed in on the conversations. This dude comes up, starts smacking the ball, and just heads just turn Colette and I were talking to each other, facing each other. And we instantly snapped toward the ball next at bat. Same thing. Two at bats later, same thing. This who's this Austin Riley guy. Keep a note on him. Didn't even come up the next year. Cause he was a young buck. He'd only had 48 games at double a. So we had to wait all of 18 and then a lot of 19 before he even came up. Then he comes up in 19 hits the ground running. First few weeks were off the charts. Then he was a disaster. Uh, then 20 was a disaster. Then he breaks out last year. I think that my issue is that we're treating him as unquestioned, untouched. He's ready to go after the breakout season. And I think it's a high watermark that we're not regressing enough. And thus, I can't take Austin Riley when I'm looking at Nolan Arenado, Alex Bregman, um, even your guy, Chris Bryant, who you're off on, and even our, our longtime boy who we've trusted, Anthony Rendon. They have issues. Arenado's old. Bregman, Rendon coming off injury. Bryant has injury history and an unsettled place right now, but they're all markedly cheaper than Austin Riley. So I will take on their age. I will take on their health risk. I will take the discount. I'm scared of Austin Riley off the career year. He's off my board right now. That's interesting because you have him ranked as your number three third baseman. Not anymore. I don't. Those are old. 
all on the Patreon. No, I know. No, they're old. Uh, the Patreon could be live. The Patreon could be live. This happened this morning. Yours aren't live, you idiot. Look, look at you. What, what's I'm your live. last update? Yours aren't even live. Live. No, you said yours okay. aren't even live yet. No, no, this literally happened this morning. As I'm uh, investigating third base, I'm like, why are we paying this for Austin Ryan? So this is literally a day of development. Um, so my last uh, okay. update at third base is 2.15. I'll put an update right now for 2.18, and you're going to see where he goes. So go ahead. What, what are your thoughts yeah. on this? Um, I think there's regression coming in batting average department, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a full – I totally trust his power. Yeah, the power and seems power. legit. Uh, but if he regresses his batting average, he comes down with these guys then. Yeah, the guys yeah, that I I think that's fair. Like I, I mean, I, I have him ranked above Arenado and Bregman, um, but at his price, I probably won't end up with Riley a ton. Um, okay. He's not off my board though. Like I just, like I think he's probably gonna hit two seventy and thirty home runs. I think. Um, I don't know if he's gonna Ar hit two seventy. Arenado, I think he's gonna hit probably 260 and 30 home runs. So, I mean, I think the difference is 10 points of batting average. Um, now, do 10 points of batting average uh, mean, you know, 20 picks? I don't know that it does. So, uh, often... Aaron Otto hit, oh, Aaron Otto hit 255 last year. Okay, okay. You know, um, so... Or maybe it's 15 points of batting average. Maybe it's, you know, maybe... No, no, no. I think, I think you can get back but to I, I think I think 10. I think 10, yeah. I think Aaron Otto hits 260. So, um you know, or do I want to wait 40 picks for Bregman? Like, I, it, yeah, I think yeah, for I'm me, it's more rebound. For me, it's more of when I can get a very, very similar profile later, give me a profile that's got speed. And so I will pass on Bregman for a speedier player or a closer or a starting pitcher, um, or pass on Riley. I think pass on Riley for something uh, like and, that and, and then get and then, him and, later and then grab Bregman or grab Arenado later. Yeah, um, and that and that's where I'm at. And that that was just kind of a revelation that I had, where I'm like, love the player. I will be rooting for him. You know, I'm, I'm not. And I'm not trying to fence it or anything, so I can be like, oh, I, I said I liked him. No, no, I'm not taking Austin Riley. There's no equivocation about it. I think I used that word right. I'm not giving any conditionals here. I'm out. I'm not out. I'm. I, I don't. Yeah. I, don't, I just I didn't want it to be like, well, you you tried to couch it by saying you still love him. I will grant that. You can be a fan of a guy and not want to draft him in fantasy, but I don't Absolutely. want anybody to think that I'm saying that to protect myself in case he's a beast. He's a beast. I tip my cap and say I was wrong. I'm not drafting him at his price. Projections really got him at hard. 266. Yeah. I think I think he comes down more like that. I think he's in the 255 to 270 range. And you said 270, so I'm not a, fully a lot of projections have him. Yeah, most of the project only only uh, bad X. only only bad X has him below. Are they the most accurate though? Um, they have been in the past, at least. That, I know there the gets judged there every has, year. Yeah, there there have been years, but there are years. Sure. ATP is the best. There, sure. You know, uh, and I I love Derek. I use Bad X probably more than uh, I didn't the, realize that that was such an outlier. By the way, I have the projections sheet up. I didn't go to Austin's page and see that that oh. two sixty six is the outlier. All the others are low two seventies. But again, that even your two seventy, that's thirty three points of batting average yeah. drop. And and to me, that means you cannot take him at pick fifty there. The like only it reason makes he no sense. The only reason he is not off my board is I honestly believe there are like five third basemen who do not have like any major red flags. Um, and Ramirez, Devers, and, Machado, Riley. Um, 
and Arenado. Okay. Like those are the five. That's it. You know, I have Mondesi in those tiers of players because of his upside. Of his but his speed. They're yeah. a huge red flag. Yeah, like, he is a red flag. I think Bregman probably belongs in the conversation with Riley and Arenado, but there's huge injury red flags, right? Um, but every other guy has like real major red flags. And so for that reason, I'm not going to take Riley off my board because I, I prefer guys without red flags. Um, and they're going to be, they're going to be instances where he does fall in a draft and I may take the gamble. Yeah. And listen, I'm, I'm being pretty strident here. I'm also looking at a max pick of 92 and I'm like, okay, that puts him back with the guys that I'm talking about. I don't know how often he gets down there for Riley. So, you know, but for the most part, I I, I just don't see where I'm going to end up with him because I don't know that he's going to be pick 92 very often. If he does, then there, there is a scenario where I guess he might not be 1 trillion percent off my board. The beautiful thing about getting him is we can see like how many times he's going, you know, not very often around 90. Um, oh, yeah, because you can click his name, right? Yeah, you, on his player plays, you have a little plot graph. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 where yeah, yeah. he Where he has been picked, um, he's mostly going in between like 78. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. Balls. Like, so it takes the exception to get Riley back on my board. That's why, for all intents and purposes, Austin Riley's off my board. Yep. All right, let's that's move fun. on. Let's go to outfield. And oh, uh, m- mine was Chris Bryant. Oh, yeah, we yeah. Sorry, to- sorry, sorry. Well, we, we, we have, but okay. Does he have the red flags that people believe? I, I kind of want to talk through this a little bit here. I okay. know you've talked about him here, so let, let's dive in a little bit more. Chris Bryant, not signed yet, so there's that uncertainty, but that's that's temporary uncertainty, right? He's going to get signed. We're not concerned about that. We can adjust it if it's a terrible place to play or whatever. What What is your issue with, with him? Can he not do 25, 10, 265 again? Um. I'm really scared off by his second half or his work with the Giants uh, last year. Okay. After after he was traded, he had seven home runs. He stole six bases. Yeah. Seven seven home runs, two sixty two. Um, Would you have even noticed it though if it wasn't a separate line because he got traded? He was still an above average bat. He put up I'm, a 113 OPS plus in that time. I'm on B ref right now, so that's why I'm citing OPS plus instead of WRC yeah, plus. Yeah, he was a 113 WRC plus. Okay, he so was. yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I think he gets a. Sh- I think he gets a, a bad rap. You know, is like one injury since 2018. It was a sprained ring finger on his left hand in 2020. I'm not really bugging out about that. I know he's had the shoulder issue that was prominent in 18, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. Well, he's had I, to have more than one injury because he only played 144 games. One injury since. Um, well, hang on. Let me do the. But he played. He only played one IL games. Stand. He only played 34 games in 2020. Then he was an IL. Uh, well, how long did the ring finger take? Him? I said the ring finger thing. And he only played 144 games last year. 147 games. That's, he hasn't played 151 games since. That's Nixon bruises though. He did not miss. He did not miss no IL time last year. So that's just. That just that's just a little knickknack time off. out. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what guys play now. 144, like 586. Like, what, what, what is that? That's uh, 10, that's 16 missed games. 
it's basically like a two week IL stint, like sprinkled out throughout the season. But uh, for 2021 injuries for Bryant, uh, a bicep for a couple of day, a day, a right hand for a day, like it's all on a sore right side for three days, a hamstring for a day that flared up again, a couple other times, day here, day, day there, little wrist. So it was like little knickknacks and those can be frustrating, especially if they're midweek. And I grant that, but if we, if we, Bake that in if, if we're starting at a point where he's going to get 580 plate appearances and that's the starting point and it's 25 and 10 again, why can't Chris Bryant do that? And that was the seventh best short, uh, excuse me, seventh best third baseman last year. Can't he just, can't he just be who he is again? And nothing doesn't have to be super special. He can just be Chris Bryant again. I guess he can. He's just something about it maybe maybe this you're is, not alone in this by the way yeah. that's why i think it's worth talking about because you're definitely not alone but there's a vibe there, about him but he's got good plate skills 23 percent strikeouts mm-hmm. not bad 11 walk he's still you know he's still 30s on the right side of 30 he's actually exactly 30 but like i don't know and he does throw in some speed and you've been harping on the fact that you want speed yeah, at different components so he's going to throw in a little chip in uh we'll, we'll call it seven to be safe let's not let's not go all the way to the 10 so if I give you 24 and seven with a 260, it feels boring. And I get that because it's not, none of those are flashy, but they're all pretty darn solid. Yeah. He's eighth on the bad X at, at, at third base in between Arenado and Bregman. The problem is he like, as much as there's a lot of people who feel kind of like me that like, ah, I'm just not interested in. Um, He's still a top 100 pick. Well, what do you think his max pick is? Not his mint, his max pick. How late does he go? Like, can he dip his yeah. below it as low as like one in the last month? Maybe like 140? 119. There is a believer in every league. I'm in every league believing. That, not, that's fine. I just, I just, that is interesting. I, I, it's weird, right? I think it's the third base outfield, too. It, infield it, outfield you always stress how great the dual yeah. eligibility when it's infield outfield is it's an extra level of special if, so if I he think ends that up that in, if he ends up in colorado like there oh was a rumor at one god point, i would love we maybe we may be having a different conversation yeah uh, but for the moment i, I definitely want to see where he lands I'm, I'm i'm uneasy about his health but the problem is i'm uneasy about the health of a lot of third basemen. and that that's what you were getting into earlier yeah. we talked about it bregman and rendon uh, LeMahieu coming off of, of, of his season, uh, Brian Hayes, who I love and I've promoted. Hey, we're not in the, we're not in the clear with him with his wrist and hand. Sure. I mean, you and I both have Justin Turner as top, a top 10 third baseman and he's got injury. Issues he, yeah. He's a walking injury issue despite, uh, but when he plays, he's just so dang good that, and, and the position I got him there part of, partly because the position is, uh, you know, not special. This I tell you is what. why, honestly, I think if, and I haven't done this yet, but I think if I have the first overall pick again, I'm taking Jose Ramirez. I have no problem with that because third base sorks, dude. I mean, I love Trey Turner, and that's who I have been taking. Yeah. But I, I think, yeah, I think because of the depth of the third base or the lack of depth of third base, I'm taking Jose Ramirez first overall. I, I think they are both team. completely viable. I will never shade anybody who takes Trey. But I will certainly not shade anybody who takes Jose because he doesn't do much worse, if at all, than Trey. And he's at that dastardly third base position. Yeah. All right, let's move uh, into the outfield here. So Miles Straw was also on that article that I wrote. You guys know how I feel about rabbits. I won't belabor that one. 
and we've talked about it, and you even pointed out, you know, he's not just speed. There is batting average, and there is some runs. Grant that. It's a team build thing. I'm not interested. I, I don't want the rabbit. You know, I'm like, just yeah. Go, go I, I have a problem with that because you're giving away so much power, man. You need 26 homers per spot. What if you don't have enough speed? Where are you going to get it later? What What if you I, you? End I mean, up... I'm going to draft better than that. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to put myself in that position. That's the thing. I don't want to put myself in that position to where I might have to take him. Other people might be open to doing different things before Straw goes because they know they can fall back on Straw. I won't get myself in that situation. Don't go in the deep end of the pool if you can't swim, and I don't want to mess with that. Okay, so I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm going to stay in the middle. You know, a tortured analogy there, but I'm saying like I'm not going to go into an area that I'm not comfortable with, and that area would be getting into the Miles Straw draft area with no prominent speed, or at least speed at every spot where I'm getting 10, 12, 14, 10 more, and then I have a collection if I don't have a big guy. But you know, I've been big on Badu. I know there's some negativity on him, but I, I think he can have a big spike. Um, you know, a but guy that at I, least, even if Badu regresses he's gonna steal bases yeah i think so too because at least as a strong side but too but i and it's the power i'm giving up that really bothers me with him because i i I took your your point well when you said about this the um, batting average is not too bad from straw and the runs can be solid especially if he's batting high i grant that so he's not just a one category guy he's not your traditional rabbit i think when we talk about rabbits we talk about yeah malik smith or billy hamilton or um, even, you know, kind of later D Gordon when he didn't have any batting out, we didn't have as much batting average. Mm-hmm. Um, like although Malik Smith hit 296 that one year when he stole 40, oh, man, he just broke my heart. I know you, you loved him and he just, you, you want to make me look so bad for crapping on him, but I won that one. Yeah. See, see when you were right, I will admit it. You were right. That is Malik rare. Smith. I, that you would actually admit no. that I was right on. I was not, right on Corey Zinger you, too. Pre- no, you before. were not. You were absolutely <laughs> 2020, I absolutely was, dude. Oh my god, he, he stayed healthy that season. You're gonna keep counting 2020 as a season. I'm gonna, well, yeah, then stop pretending it is. But it, um, it is when I want it to be. No, it's not. So, absolutely. with straw, the thing of it is, though, okay, so you say he's not like those other guys, he's not because he also only steals 30. And I, I say only purposely because Billy Hamilton, Malik Smith, they stole a lot more. So are you do you think the trade-off of not necessarily reaching the same heights as them stolen base wise is worth getting the 271 average and the 86 runs as opposed to 50 something steals but a 250 average and like 71 runs or something? I don't say know that I have to look at say that again. I, I, so so Malik Smith, let's just take that great Malik Smith season. Yes. 2018. He had 40 steals, 10 mm-hmm. more than Straw last year. Actually, no, that's a bad comparison because he hit. Okay, here the, the following season, when after Malik Smith had the hype because he had that good 2018, he stole 46, which led baseball, but he hit 227 with six homers and 70 runs. Do you prefer that where you get the MLB leader in steals, but that god awful batting average and uh, a low runs count, or? Do you give up the 16 stolen bases? Because that, that's why that's why he's a little bit different than the rabbits, like you're saying. He only stole 30, but he hit 271, way better average, and 86 runs, 15 more than Malik Smith. Which combo do you like better, the Malik Smith that you used to like or Straw, who lowers the SB ceiling but gives you something else to hang on to? 
I think it's straw, but because the the other part, the average part, is backed up by something. Yeah, and so you, I mean, you believe because Malik spiked the two ninety six, but then he completely faded to two twenty seven. You don't think Malik that Miles Straw is going to fade to two thirty this year or some crap like that? No, I don't. Like I think okay. he makes so much zone contact. Yeah, like it's. I mean, um, and I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at just what he did in Cleveland because he was traded on the thirty first of July. Dun, dun, dun. And he's leading off. That's you know, um, so yeah, so from he he stole 13 bases with two home runs, so you know, two home runs obviously a negative, uh, in 268 plate appearances after coming to Cleveland, let off pretty much every game except for it looks like two or three, three games. He did not lead off his plate discipline, a 92.3% zone contact, only swing, uh, uh, swung outside of the zone 22% of the time. That's, um, that's sick. A swinging strike rate of 4.7%. He's in control of what's going on up there. And he, he does take yeah. walks. Maelstra has an 11% mm -hmm. walk rate. He walked in the minors. He's walked before in the majors. Here, My concern, though, goes back to the power, right? So you need about mid-20s homers per spot mm -hmm. to really be up there, both in your league, but also for the overall. And if you don't play for an overall, then you do not have to worry about this part as much. The balance is not as important for you if you don't play in an overall. So this is a little bit NFBC-centric when we're talking about this discussion. But say you take Pete Alonso, and you're like, that covers my mile straw. That's okay to say that, but then you're back to needing 24 homers, 26 homers at every spot beyond that. You've used all your surplus of Pete Alonso on one guy. Are you okay with that? In certain circumstances. I, I don't, right I don't think. I said, like I said, to needing at least 20, 25, 24 per. I, I don't think you should be entering a draft going, I'm targeting Miles Straw. See, that's where I disagree. I think you should plan for it if you're going to do it. I think, I think it should be a, a well-thought-out plan to where you have some backup speed as well because you should never just put all your speed in one basket, you with you with your Alberto Mondesi in our uh, triple play league. But I have a lot of speed. Actually, you, than, you do. You do. Yeah, you, I, I think you projected for 110, or I think you were up at 120, and he has, he's 39 of it. So fair, fair play, fair play. That was incorrect. Um, but I think you should actually game plan it to where you know where you're going to get your secondary speed and where you're going to make up the power as opposed to doing it on the fly because then I think you're going to come out too light in power. I think people don't realize the impact that he has in the negativity of your power from Miles Straw. That's my biggest concern with him on a team build construction as opposed to him specifically with what he does. I think I think you need to be ready to, to build him there. Like whenever I took – Billy Hamilton, it was always somewhere where I was like, I am planning to do this. I remember one year I like paired yeah, Billy Hamilton. You were taking Davis. him in like the fourth round. I mean, as that's where Billy Hamilton fourth and sixth. Yeah. yeah, Billy Hamilton was going third, fourth round. Like, I mean, that doesn't mean that you don't need to prepare to take straw. That that doesn't change it. He was also getting 60 something steals. So he kind of was was yeah. worth it a bit more. He, so he you're going eighth, man. ninth round here with straw, but in fairness, though, too, and maybe somebody was thinking this while we were doing the Malik Smith conversation, 30 it, it is almost today's 40, though, right? Because mm -hmm. we're not seeing many guys with that. So he has a chance to be very, very impactful with just 30 steals. But 
I just, I just need to make sure that I'm fully planned for that. I can't do it on the fly. And that's just me personally. And I don't want to put myself in that position that it it scares me. Yeah. That that's when I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it when I have said, like, I I look at my team, I get to that eighth, ninth round spot and I go, I do not have enough speed because I've, I've prioritized, uh, you know, starting pitching or I've prioritized, uh, have you taken him anywhere? Have you taken him anywhere? What, can you pull that team up? I'd like to see how you covered the power from from the with that. In the meantime, I'm going to bring up just quickly uh, Eddie Rosario. It, you know, we said off the board, right? And and so I, again, I I don't want to fence it on on too many of these where you're like, well, you said off the board, and then you're saying, I, I just I don't get the warm fuzzies with him. His playoff doesn't really sway me that much. Now I know that that Eddie Rosario went 14 and 11 in just 412 plate appearances last year, and that deserves a little love because um, even if you don't just raw extrapolate it, uh, you, you just sprinkle on a little bit there. If he can get back to 580 plate appearances, there's some quality there. But I think his playoff is is driving Eddie Rosario up a little bit, and uh, I have not seen myself taking him at all. He's only pick 168. He's not even super expensive, but there's so many guys around him that I like way more. Badu, Verdugo, Renfro, Carlson, um, Kirloff, Avisal Garcia, Robbie Grossman, Andrew Benintendi. So that's why I'm out on Rosario. It's just a collection of players that I like around him way better. I am going to say, because this. <laughs> This is the team I hate the most. Okay, okay, F- fair enough. But uh, uh-huh. all right, so this is your Miles Straw build. Give uh-huh. us the the foundation before him. Let's get that out of the way. Um, let's see. Let me let me go to the so draft. You, it, that, that led you into taking him. So this was uh, it was my second DC of of the season. I decided to just take best player available through the first six rounds. Okay. I, I, I was at the nine spot. I went Kyle Tucker, Freddie Freeman, G Lito, Lance Lynn, Nick Castellanos, and Jack Flaherty. This is a 15 team league. Okay. Um, and then it left me in a point where I went, oh no, there is not much speed left. So I took Miles Straw in the seventh round. Um, okay. I'm. I might have some issues. I, I have some issues on this team. I'm not gonna lie. I also took Nicky Lopez. Oh, um, later on. So you got Tucker Straw and um, Lopez for your yeah. speed. I also took Dalton Varsho in this. Oh, season. so you got a lot of speed. So I now have a ton of speed. So I don't need Lopez or Straw necessarily to do what I think they can do. Sure. Um, do you have enough pop to go around? Is the next question? I got Nelson Cruz. Oh, this is a Cruz Cruz team. Nelson and uh, uh, O'Neill. Um, Cassianos, I think is is fine for power. Austin Meadows, uh, I think is fine for power. Um, you know, I took some you know guys late that have uh, a lot of power in Patrick Wisdom and Bobby Bradley. So like I've got guys I can mix in. Yeah. Um, with power. There's a lot of volatility. And like I said, I do not like this team <laughs> particularly. So I'm, you know, I'm this not gonna... is the problem that I have though, is because I do think people probably come out of a lot of straw builds and they're like, what do I do with this team? I think there's I... a way to do it. I don't know how. Yet. You don't know if you did. Okay. And I didn't do it on this team. Like you... I look at this team and I go, there's definitely some potential here. Yeah. But, but it feels but, like but is it going to come together? Like I don't know that this is a team 
that the puzzle fits really well together. Mm-hmm. And that's my issue. And that's why I said, I pl- if I'm going to take my straw, I have to have a firm plan. I think you highlighted my point perfectly. So I appreciate that. You, you did well for me there. You're welcome. All right. Now let's get to your guys. Uh, your first one, he's talked to death, but go ahead and give us your quick thoughts on Byron Buxton. It, You're out, I imagine, because of the price. The price, the injuries. Um, well, yeah. I, I, I mean, because of his yeah. health. And the fact I mean, that he's and Mitch Hanniger, Mitch Hanniger the same way. So like now that it's, one, it's, let's talk about. Well, I mean, we'll talk about both of them. Um, well, I think I, I think they're vastly different. Vastly different in terms of injury risk. Vastly. One is an injury risk. The other, I think it's, it's overblown. Do you think it's overblown? With Hanniger, yes. He had a torn wiener, which... <laughs> wasn't a torn wiener. Torn nut. Okay, pardon me. <laughs> Testicle. Ruptured test. Like, I'm, Technically, I'm, he has another one. I'm, I'm like keeled over just just reading it I'm, i mean i do not wish that on anyone no this, this is how i spent uh half the jackass movie too because they were just destroying each other's junk and i'm just like i i have Ugh. not seen it yet I, it was it was good if, if you like jackass if you i, I do fan, I, yeah yeah I've, i figured you know we have sensibility similar sensibility there go see it you will laugh your butt off but you will be doubled over like me if if seeing somebody's balls go into their see it's throat, the gross stuff that like that gets me like i can deal okay. with that I well can't... there is some gross stuff related yeah. to that and and part part in the part in the lewd the lewd chatter there but uh you know um, i think men and women uh, alike can enjoy uh, jackass if you like that sort of stuff but there is a lot of uh destruction down there but anyway so you got that and a facial facial laceration because he got i believe hit in the face with the ball you know, he did have an oblique back in 2017, and then the back injury in 2020 that required core surgery. But outside of the core surgery, what is the real issue with Mitch Hanniger's health? And we just saw what he could do when healthy. He beasted. I think Hanniger's being slept on. I'm completely the other way than you on this. You're taking him off your board. I'm moving him up my board. What don't we like about Mitch Hanniger? I think we forget that he was injured all throughout the minor leagues. One of the reasons I understand we, that, but so it's a long history. Like it's not just what's happened in the majors. It's a, but, it's, but you have to go off of after a while. Some of that stuff like plays less, like he's going to be 31. Sure. So absolutely. I just, some of that, but I don't see it from a major league standpoint, like where, where there's chronic issues that we should be concerned about. I'm just very uneasy, and for that reason, I think I, you're just uneasy that he got his ball exploded, which you should be because no. that's horrendous. Ooh. I feel so bad for him, and like I wouldn't wish. Maybe, that maybe he can ask my wife if if he can have one of mine because she's <laughs> she's taking those. So uh, I mean, he went 39 100 like when he was crushing homers, man. And I, I what I really like about Hanniger is I think he can hit another 30 something for sure. I love the pop. Um. And if that team improves the way a lot of folks believe it can, myself included, then I think the runs and ribbies could really skyrocket. Like we really got a taste of it in September when he put up 27 ribbies and 20 runs. Uh, he was a run machine, by the way. I mean, he quietly dropped 110, and I don't think Mitch Hanniger's getting enough credit for putting up 110 runs. Now he he played a, a great year where 157 games, you know, it's not his high water mark. Well, actually, it's tied for it 2018 as well. But he has two premium caliber seasons like that in 2018 2019 excuse me 2018 2021 2019 was the downstairs issue but he had 15 homers and four steals in his 63 games and even though he was only hitting 220 it felt like 
oh, he's going to come out of that because he's still showing the underlying skills and everything should be all right with Mitch Haniger. And then destruction hit. So, and then he missed 20, but like, I, I, I don't really care about that. It was the core surgery. It was only the 60 game season. All right. All right. All right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna concede this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna move him up. Okay. Um, Love it. But okay. But don't uh, go back to hating him before in a league together, please. Are we don't. gonna be in a league together? I I mean we might. I got. I, I oh, need to yeah, see. I guess main event. In, I need to see your league Vegas. venue in Vegas. And, yeah, we might be in the same one. Yeah, we could. I could. We could ask Greg to put us in the same one. It's random. I don't know if. But... Oh, it's random. Okay, never mind. I guess that's fair because then somebody will be like, "Don't put me with." Freaking Phil or whatever, and you don't want yeah. any that BS. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm gonna move him. I had him at 32. Okay. Uh, wait, are you gonna move him ahead of me now? Now you make me look bad. I'm. A, I'm. I am gonna move him ahead of you. Um, I'm gonna move him to 23. I gotta move him up then too. Not not just like matching. I'm not doing it on some like. I'm not playing games here, but because of what I'm saying. And everything that checks out, how can I not see him as just below Castellanos? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm moving him. Well, up and for me, it was like I had to move him above Yelich. Injury history. Yeah, we don't even know what he is anymore. I, I don't love Kettle Marte in terms of his injury history. Um, Stanton's injury history. Uh, I moved him ahead of. Uh, Trent Grisham, uh, yeah. who you know, and again injuries last year, and we don't really, I don't think, know exactly what he is yet. Uh, yeah, so I think. What What about a straw Hanniger turn to cover your power speed situation? I would love that. That could be kind of hot. Wow, you moved Hanniger all the way up to. Hang on, it's there now. Twenty-two. Yeah, so just right, right by. You just you just saw where I put him and went. I got no, one spot. I just, just I wanted him to be one spot. Like, is, I, no, no, no. Is we're this like match. is this like the time where you ranked 120 starting pitchers and like I you ranked? Per, yeah, I purposefully ranked 121. Yeah, yeah. It's very similar to that. But I'm, no, no, we're actually going to match because I am still going to take Buxton ahead of him. But no, I figure again, Castiano. I have I have, Buck, I have Buxton ahead of him too. I have Buxton at 20. Um, Maybe you should move him down if you're saying he's off your draft board, right? What, or what outfielder is he going as? I think he's going pretty high. Let me take a look. Oh, Buxton I'll take a look. is 16. Okay, so you're still below market. You're still I mean, we both are actually, because I got I got Buxton 20. I thought I thought I liked Buxton. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm full of crap. He goes I mean, I'm definitely goes full of crap. Really, but. really. I mean, I his max pick is 78. I have never seen him go close to that. Yeah, I would yeah. I was gonna say something, and and I, I for those wondering, I've been using just DC numbers from the last month. So yeah, that that we're both on that. That's our default is to go, do last month, um, um, last month of numbers. And I yeah, I I've never seen him go that late. I'm sure I'm, he has Same. obviously, but um, like he usually goes like in front of guys like Nick Castellanos and JD Martinez and Eloy and um. Uh, I just, I just can't do that. I and I love Bucks. I hope, I hope one day he does stay healthy for a whole year. I've done goes the off. Thing. Like I'm not out on him. I have, but, I, I have, I, I'm done it this year. I'm, but I don't get him that often because I'm, I'm with you, you know. And like where I had him ranked, I thought that that was in enough. 
early twenties. No, sir. No, it's not. Outfield is very similar to third base in the sense that there are very few non-red flag guys. Like it's it you get to a point and especially with how many outfielders you need in a five outfielder league. Mm -hmm. Uh because of multi positions, it's not yeah. just the five times fifteen. It just it becomes well, I mean, just even I mean, if you look at like my top twenty five outfielders, only two guys are multi position eligible. Three, right? Or do you not have Marte, Merrifield, and Tatis in your top twenty-five? I uh, I do not have Marte in my. Oh, you know Marte. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You just so, said that. Um, so I mean, there's not a ton of multi-positional eligible guys in the top of of outfield, but after you get past, like really, the, all throughout the top twenty-five outfielders, it's just littered with red flags. True. I mean, starting from the top, With some Tatis, great upside like, too. Tatis has got red flags. Betts has got red flags. Um, you know, it's not like Harper's been super healthy throughout his career. Uh, Mullins, ah, he's been healthier than he gets credit for. That's another one I put. This back is the, it's fair. Uh, Mullins obviously has zero red flags, but people will say <laughs> there's red flags there. Um, Acuna red no. flags. Robert red flags. Marte red flags. Uh, Let's I think being on said real quick though, like I I I can't really get myself too far away from him, and I feel like people are just thinking that he's going to plummet. I get that he's coming off a career year and everything. You should put some regret regression in there, and I know you love him, so it's hard for you to have clear eyes on him. But like, I don't know, like uh, what? How bad can it really get with said? That's I don't, a pretty firm line there, right? Like if we're betting on if we're betting on numbers, I feel like, and again, this is anecdotal, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I might be strawmanning a little bit too because I I don't have an example offhand. So uh, take this for what it's worth, and I'm gonna try to go find that I can prove this more than than just in my head. But I I feel like we jam up the numbers on a bunch of guys and say numbers this, numbers that, and then when we get to Cedric Mullins, we're just like regression. He's a one-year wonder, but like, what about the numbers? I mean, nineteen percent strikeout, nine percent walk, went thirty thirty without an egregious um, BABIP, which was three twenty-two, or an egregious home run to fly ball, which was only sixteen. Like, these are not egregious marks. Why is he getting pushed down by some folks? When if you're using the numbers as a positive, why aren't they a positive for him? And again, I I feel like I've seen this around. I might be being I might be being a little bit of a straw man ho, and I'm sorry if I am, but. I'm going to try to back up what I'm saying here and see if I can find stuff for next episode. But I just feel like he's not getting the love he deserves. I just don't feel Which like Which is that. weird because you ranked him like 17th. I mean, I've been taking him like crazy. Not like yeah. crazy. I got him in some ways. I think 17 is fine, though. Um. Yeah, I, I don't honestly understand. I took him in the second round of that one league, the one that you didn't take him, and I roasted you. And, <laughs> and I did that, obviously, like a little you bit. You did it for tweaking, me, but. But 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 I but I wouldn't have done it just if I didn't believe in it I wouldn't have done it just to tweak you because you know, I mean well, I paid money for that league I'm not trying to burn a buck fifty yeah. so you know I, let's say let's say um, let's say Miles Straw like I wouldn't take Miles Straw in the third round two picks before you just to say ha I got your Miles Straw look at me now I believed in said Mullins but I I knew it would also play well yeah. on Twitter to to tweak Absolutely. you like you had two choices chances and you didn't take him fake but. Um, but no, I, I believe, dude. I'm just trying to find what – can we can we really try to hunker down here and figure out the real downside? I mean, I don't know what the argument is, honestly. Is it just like 
regression. But then I, think, everyone, I think that's what it is. It's but just then as everyone points out, Scott Pianowski is the one I heard coin this regression to what? Yes. I, and I, I don't know. Um, and to me, I look at the projections and I can take these 2020. They're, they're mid-20s. 23, 25 is about where they stand. 23 homers, 25 steals. Two high 250s, low 260s average. And again, projections are a 50th percentile. If that's where I'm getting, if that's kind of the baseline of what I sh- my expectation should be, I'm really okay with that from the, Cedric Mullins. Yeah, because Bubba, who's, who's you know uh, part of my second favorite podcast duo in the industry and, and, a, and a dear friend, um, he, he, he tweeted out some Mullins slander. Behind and us it, or behind Derek and Eno? Uh, behind um, uh, Scott Jenstead and... And 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 yeah, Eric, they, they are number one. I just every time I mention that, I get another podcast duo that comes out and you're like, "Well, fuck you." Like, <laughs> you see, you see the uh, the Alex Fast response to that. Oh no, 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 that's funny. What did he say? <laughs> he, he, he was cha cha cha. Go cha- fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's um, funny. So okay, what what did Bubba say about uh, about said that, that he just said regression? Um, and we need to, we need a number though. If you're going to say that, right? And what and what I said was, you know, looking at ATC projections, look at ATC projections, and that was just the projection system I was using. There are four players who are projected to steal 25 bases and hit 20 plus home runs, and he's one of them. four, and he's one of them. Four, like, and again, I think a lot, and I'm not, I'm not caught. Even, even, even if he re, even if he regresses far than that, let's say he only he hits half as many home runs. As he did in 2022, 15, a Jackson. 15, 30 season with like a 270. I'll even yeah, regress him back to 260. Okay. I'll still take that in the third round every day. Yeah, I mean, I took like, it in the second round. I mean, that's Starling Marte, right? Like, it's not that much. That's different. the thing because, like, Marte is an interesting case too, and he's not off my board or anything, so he's not a conversation piece for this uh, episode. Although we're talking about said, and we're not taking him off our board, but like he ain't getting 47 again, right? Nobody believes that. That was no. that's an outlier. Like that's a spike. He's, He's going to a down. Buck Showalter run team. Yeah, and he only hit 12 homers last year while he was popping 47 SBs. So I think I think Marte is more of like a 15, 30, like you said as well, with a better it, batting average. Sure, there was a season in Baltimore when Buck Showalter's entire team stole 22 bases. Like now, in fairness, they didn't they, have anybody to steal. They, yeah, exactly. But... I was just about to say that we had this discussion when they yeah. hired Joe Walter. Um, but that is still like, so like if you like he's not getting forty seven, right? Monte, I, like we can't. We don't know what it. he's getting. There is a huge range of outcomes on Marte's stolen bases. True, true, I don't true. think there's that huge of a range of outcomes on Cedric Mullins that, in that, terms that's of his stolen bases. So yeah. like, like I know I'm gonna get thirty. I think I'm gonna get it with a good average. And I know I'm going to get it with probably 15 to 25 home runs. Um, I don't understand why people like, you know, people are reaching for speed all over the draft. Yeah. Except him. And that's what, that's what I'm saying. I, I feel like he catches uh, Cedric Mullins gets short shrift and we, we cite projections, projections, projections. And then when it comes around to him, it's regression, regression, regression. I'm like, well, what about the projections? They're regressing him and he's still very good. In, so, in, in my most recent DC, uh, that just finished. Um, I got Cedric Mullins in the third round, and like I'm like, I take that all day. Yeah, like in the back end of the third round too. Like I pick yeah. eleven or three. Like, like I said, I took him in the second round, and yeah. it, it, it was partly to tweak you, but it was also because I I 
I feel like he's justified there. And it, I'm trying to get an early pick in drafts. I want a one through three, one through five kind of pick. I will take Cedric Mullins in the third round every single time. Yeah. And I think really what people should be basing their KDS on is how the third and fourth rounds go, mm-hmm. not the first and second right now. Well, I mean, obviously the first, like you, you, you want your foundational pick, but then see what it maps to in the third and fourth rounds because that's the big decision point. Depending on who I get in the first round, I am not opposed to taking Cedric Mullins in the second. That And I took Otani, and then I ended up taking Mullins in that second round. If um, I start with a starting pitcher, if I start with a Burns or a Cole or a Scherzer in the first round, you better believe that Mullins is on my list of guys to take in the second. Because you get your speed right back in, yeah. in check. And then, and then I can worry about you know my, my power. In round three, because there'll be the Yordans and guys like that in yeah. round three that I can go get the power with batting average. Yeah, I like, I like Alvarez yeah. a lot. I paired I paired Mullins with Buxton, so I got some hot speed off Rip and, and Lindor. Like, who was going to uh, – Otani, Mullins, and, and, and Lindor, those Buxton. Are, like, that's the kind of build where um, – and I mean, don't get me wrong. I think my team's better than yours just because it is. But, like, you taking Buxton, like, I don't have a problem with that. Because you got a guy like Mullins, you got other guys with speed. Yeah, like, so like, I don't need you, him. You don't entirely. need him to like stay healthy the whole year. If he only ends up stealing you ten bases because he's hurt, you're okay. Yeah, um, it would stink, but it doesn't just decimate yeah. the team because it, it's the same not... way. Like on that in that same league is the league that I took Mondesi. Uh, Mondesi, but I also backed it up with a speed other places yeah you did you've got uh you've got badu giving you some speed you got india throwing some chip in you've got a little chip in from verduga where where is it hang on i thought you did have more speed than this because when i did the projection hang on let me pull up the paul versus justin projection i thought you had more capital big time speed oh wait you have kyle tucker in that team that's what that's and and real real mucho yeah yeah yeah. pardon me Pardon me, those, those were the ones I was missing, Tucker and Real Muto ahead of because I started looking at after Mondesi. So you'd already gotten two big double-digit steals, guys, before you took and him. I just and, added Madrigal. Okay, and you got Badu, Madrigal, and then, like I said, Chippins from India and Glaber that are decent as well. So, yeah. Okay, well, um, let's continue on here. Do we have anybody else in the outfield to talk about, or is that it? Oh, wait, we got starting pitcher, starting pitcher. Starting pitcher, yeah. All right, well, mine's basic, so I want to get into your old crusty guys and uh, and your Colorado guy. Yeah, Kevin Gossman, you know, going back to the AL East, I root for him big time. I'm not I'm not paying the premium there, going to Toronto, like, no, no shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going back to the house of horrors that is the AL East. For years, I drafted him as an Oriole, thinking it's, he's too good to be – as mediocre as he was stats wise. And uh, I feel vindicated that he ended up becoming a star. Um, once he got out of Baltimore, didn't help those seasons that I drafted him in the past, but okay, cool. Yeah, he's right. But now he's coming right back to that same spot uh, to the same division, at least. And I just worry about Gosman. So I can't, I can't take him at pitcher 25, um, which is starting pitcher probably like 20. If I'm, if I'm removing enough relievers, and I can't do that. So I won't have any Gosman, and I won't have the guy that he replaced in Toronto either, Robbie Ray, for the same reason. They both are coming off career years, new year to new spot, super high. I just can't pay the premium for those two. Yeah, Gosman's going around starting pitcher 22. So, um, okay. Yeah. Mm. 
he's a different guy than he was in Baltimore. Not that different. He's not that different. The splitter's be- better right now, but I-, I think it can still go in and out. And if he's starting to get crushed in the AL East, we're gonna look, we're gonna see the same mm-hmm. guy. I don't know that. I, I, I don't. I think how he's is it? How is he different? How about that? How is he different? Swing strike rates. Uh, um, he's better at sequencing. Mm-hmm. Do, uh, part, how much of that, though, do you think is the environment where he can attack more and challenge because he was in the NOS in San Francisco specifically? Now he's going back to another hitter-friendly ballpark in the most whoa, difficult no, no. division there Toronto's is. Toronto's not a hitter-friendly ballpark anymore with the humidor. That's I think that it may be the misconception. I, I, I need more than Since they added the humidor, it actually plays as a pitcher's park. How long have with, they had that? I think a two years. Well, because they didn't play. How, how much did they play there this year? Is my, my question. Um, they, uh, I think they they second half, uh, okay. July thirty first, I believe was their first game, if I'm remembering correctly. It, yeah, it, it played. Very, I, it played very hitter friend or very pitcher friendly this yeah. year. In in 2021, with no three year rolling, it played to a 96 park factor overall, which is 26th. So that's good. Okay, grant that. It only changes my equation slightly mm-hmm. because all those road games in New York, yeah. Baltimore, Toronto, or and Boston are still concerning. I, I will I will accept that point. It doesn't get me all the way there though. Mm-hmm. And I think there depend. I think there's a chance. Or well, I think that the Giants' defense behind him probably better um, overall mm-hmm. than it is in Toronto. You're also playing on turf, so the ground balls can can move get through a lot. Yep. Yeah, move a lot faster. So, like, I do think there's going to be regression. Um, I'm interested to see where his draft price continues to go uh, because it's falling. It's falling since you know I, I just wrote him up uh, a couple days ago on the 16th uh, in the ADP market uh, report. Good. Um, Should be because I think that there is a there will there could be a point in which the hate goes a little bit too far. Hashtag okay. 06010. It isn't, there, it isn't there yet. Okay. okay. So, and I, I'm not extremely high. I don't have him as a top 20 pitcher. Um, uh, but I think that if, you know, like currently, let's see, uh, his ADP since I did from 1 8 to 12 2, his ADP was 67. Uh, if he's. If he starts dropping out of the top 80 or even top 90, then I'm going to get real interested. But until then, there's just so many guys going behind him still that I like a lot more. Trevor Rogers. And that's another big issue, too, with yeah. him and Ray, is that I just like other guys around there. So I don't want to take on that added risk of moving to a new spot, coming off a career year, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Trevor Rogers, Joe Musgrove, um, Max Free, Jack Flaherty, Lance Lynn are all guys I have ranked above him that are going uh, behind him. So it just I I'm actually with you in terms of I pro- he's probably not going to end up on any of my teams. He's not off my board, mm-hmm. but he's probably not going to end up on my teams this year just because there's so many guys that I like more uh, exactly. going behind them. So, okay. all right. So that's Kevin Gosman. Let's talk uh, Verlander first. You got a few guys. You got Verlander, Kershaw. I mean, Verlander, Kershaw, we can just throw in together. Um, yeah, yeah. Injury guys that like when they're know. great, when they're on, they're great. But but you're concerned about how I'm, long I'm they're going to be. 
I, I, I need to see Verlander pitch um, before I can rank him even very close to where he's going. Uh, even if I do see him pitch, I'm going to feel very skeptical at his age, change mechanics. Um, I just, I don't trust it. I mean, he got his Tommy John in October, so he's so far removed from it. Yeah, and I understand, and I just but we, we just don't know. We just, I know. I, I don't know what he is at this point. We, we don't. The thing of it is, though, we don't know with so many pitchers mm -hmm. that we think we do and we treat as though we do. Yeah. And so then I'm willing to kind of like, like I said, I've cut to the chase. I said, <sighs> all right, I'm already, I'm already, I'm gonna just take him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Verlander uh, as though he's good to go and everything. I probably should have said this earlier on in the episode considering the whole episode is about fades but i was i was listening to i can't remember it was a podcast or reading an article and somebody said something along the lines or maybe it was even a twitter thing uh but someone said something along the lines of oh you're gonna lose if you fade this guy i don't remember who said it i don't remember what the who the player, who was. The player was yeah that is such an awful take <laughs> really you is. will never lose a league based on one guy you decide to fade or okay? get uh, or win a league yeah. you know in the, no one but, like, it's especially like fade right because if, if someone just makes you uneasy if you don't want someone on your team whether it's you know performance injury whatever mm -hmm. um you are not going to lose a league because of that correct it's a, it is absolutely a ridiculous thought process. Can we, can we also dispel with the, uh, you can't win your league in the first round, but you can lose it. You can't do either. I'm sorry. Yeah, you you can take miles straw in the first round and you're not necessarily going to lose your league. Yeah. Like, th th stop. Like there, know, there are league winners phrase. every year that lose their first round. Pick. Exactly. Like it, people that had a Cunha still won their league or DeGrom. And I know that they didn't lose. Like DeGrom was an, a God. DeGrom's an unfair one. Cause he was such a God before he got hurt. But I can go, I can dig deeper. And if anybody needs me to, I'll do the legwork. But you can also just go in the baseball forecaster and look in the front page about how much of the first round busts. And if you think nobody drafts one of those busts and still succeeds, uh, then you're crazy. So, yeah, I really want to dispel with the uh, you can lose your, your draft in the first round. You absolutely cannot. Yeah, I just, I hear this all the time like, oh, you know, you know, like people who faded Vlad last year and there were a lot of people who faded flat yeah who went on to prove them wrong um they did not lose their leagues because no, they didn't have flat absolutely like not because especially when we're talking about guys like you know because it might have been in reference to like a wander franco or something like that but there's, especially there's no way that fading him is going to cost me any league especially when it's in the fourth or fifth round i'm still getting a really good player exactly i think xander right. bogart's all day yeah okay you didn't get Vlad Guerrero Jr. in the fourth or fifth round last year. You got Randy Rosarena, who was fine. By the way, I, I can't believe how little attention his 2020 is getting. Now, he's still being drafted pretty high, so it's not like he's a forgotten player. But I feel like Randy Rosarena is treated as a ho-hum, like, fine, I'll take him at pick 60. When 2020 is really good, and there was a colossal expectation on him coming off of that playoff that he could never reach, right? You know, everyone's like, you're overdrafting him because he's never going to reach that. It's like, I don't need him to. I was perfectly happy with I was a Randy Rosarena buyer 
and I took my 2020 with a 274 average, 69 ribbies, and 94 runs, and I was very happy with Randy Rosarena last year, and I had a decent season, and he was part of every team that had success. Mm-hmm. I mean, or every team I had him on had success. I should say I had some teams that had some success that he wasn't on. If that, because I'll, I'll tell you, like you look up like Phil DeSoe's teams, and Phil DeSoe. I'm kidding. Phil, he, he's he's a really good player. Um, Not ringing a bell. One of his in in and I think it was in the league I was in. One of his first round picks was a complete bust. Who was it? He took Bauer in the first round. Oh yeah. See, I mean, like, like complete bust. Yeah. How many innings did Bauer even pitch? Wasn't he struggling? Uh, no. I guess he he pitched 102 innings. He was good in the 102 oh, okay. innings. Okay. So not a complete um, bust then. That's more in the Degrom yeah. category, I think. Where I mean, he took he Degrom was, in his uh, in his main event overall, he, and winner. you know it's well 102 innings. It's well discussed that he was the first one to drop him and mm-hmm. say this is it's time to move on. But again, we can find even much worse first round picks than Bauer mm-hmm. and Degrom, and people can still have success. So I, I just I hate that I hate that notion. Anyway, back to Verlander Kershaw. You're you're not doing anything until you see them. I totally get that with Kershaw. When he signs, like, is there a spot that he signs or something that you can see in spring that would get you in on him? Or are you just out no matter because of the back? I'm just – well, it's not back. It's it's elbow, right? He, he – I mean, he has, a, he has a chronic back injury. But, no, he had, he had like, a UCL-type injury at the end, in the playoffs. That's this right. is why he didn't pitch. Um, so it's not the back. If it was the back, I'd be I'd be fine. Um, it's the combination of the L ending oh, the year with the L tendon. yeah. Ending, you know, flag with a flexor injury. Um, and then the Dodgers don't even give him a qualifying offer. Ooh. Yeah. We, it, yeah, we talked right. about that. I, and I there, there was a rumor early on in free agency that he might retire. I yeah, just, I'm not, I I'm hear that. I'm not going to. That's fine to not draft him. Yeah, I'm just. He's just off my board. He comes back like, hey, things open back up. He signs a deal with the Dodgers, as we kind of, you know, ex, you know, would expect him to do. Um, you know, he gets a long term deal done somewhere. He looks good. Then maybe I put him back on my board. But for right now, nope, just not, not going to touch it. Okay. Um, and then Marquez, that's pretty easy. I'm not. I'm not drafting half a pitcher. And I. It's not so much you're drafting half a pitcher because I'm okay drafting half a pitcher. The problem is I don't know what half to use. Right? Like, because last year he was good at home and bad on the road. Like, yeah. I hope somebody's watching. I just spilled water all over myself. Did it? Awesome. Did you notice? Yeah, I did it all over myself. That's That's amazing. Nobody's watching right now. So. <laughs> good, good. They're, they're uh, gonna watch on the bot later and notice for, that. Yeah, for, for, for those, uh, yeah. you can always Marquez. go to YouTube and watch the three. Yeah, I always put the YouTube link in there too. If, if you prefer that, if you're like a second screen video type, um, but yeah, that that that's the frustrating part, right? You're drafting him, saying he's a road only guy, with occasional home spots. You know, if Marlins are coming into town or something, and you're feeling froggy. But then last year, Paramount Marquez goes and flips the script, and um, Three, three, no, excuse me, four of his worst five starts were at uh, on the road. 
Eight earned in two-thirds of an inning against San Francisco. You could have avoided that because that was at home. And then eight, seven, six, five, uh, all on the road at Cincy, at San Francisco, at Washington, and at the he, Cubs. He had, he had a three sixty-seven home ERA and a five thirty-eight road ERA. He, he probably was hell on people. You might have avoided the one in San Francisco on August 12th because by then it was clear that they were godly and you should avoid them. But – you, you definitely took the Washington one. You definitely took the Cubs one. I, I don't know if people June 12th, if you were sitting him at Cincinnati, it's like, yeah, it's Cincinnati and it's tough. But like if you were sitting him in June on the road already, then you maybe should have just cut him because at that point you're barely using Herman Marquez. Uh, but yeah, I, we know I, I, I've been on this one for a while. Remember when he defeated Coors and he was the one who figured it out. I don't hear from those people a lot anymore. Where have they been? Because he figured it out. Yeah, that was so stupid. I mean, I almost felt like I was punching down on those people because it was just such an obviously bad take. You were were punching them. I mean. They deserved it, though. Um, If you're going to say something that stupid, like, come on. I've seen, like, some people say on Twitter recently, like, oh, you know, there's a chance he's going to be traded out of Coors. No. They're not trading him. They never traded John Gray. We said this about John Gray every fucking year. Mm-hmm. Until stop. If you're they cannot get, get pitchers, traded. they cannot develop pitchers. Yeah, they and they cannot. Like they cannot get pitchers to sign there. So, like, they cannot trade their one good, really good pitcher. Correct. Away, even um, with his goofiness, home and road, they don't care. They what they know that for him is that he's a good 180 inning pitcher. Yeah, that's all they care about. The breakdown doesn't matter for for the Rockies. They just want 100 good innings. They're they're paying him innings. like eight million a year. Yeah, that's like it. Nothing. The, the the haul that it would take to get him would be uh, uh, Chris Archer esque, but he would actually deserve it. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of that's the kind of haul that a team needs to start with. If you're asking for my Marquez, I need a Meadows Glass now Boz situation. So I need a premium pitching prospect, a premium hitting prospect, and then a pitching prospect that's further away but also still carries a high ceiling like Boz. That's what it would take to get Marquez, and no one wants to pay that because you don't want to yeah. give away three potential stars uh, that are prospects. And I don't blame – that's the one thing I don't blame Colorado for is that if that if that's the price that they're holding firm, I hope that they are in at least the Absolutely. range, and according, then you just hold firm. According to our value projections on what his season last year was worth to them, even with the up-and-down struggles, it was worth $27 million. There you go. They're and they're paying. They're paying him like eight or nine. Yeah, that's three x what they're paying him. They they can't. And as much as we'd love for him to be traded, because we would love for him in fantasy to be not a Rocky, Mm -hmm. they do not have the incentive. They do a lot of stupid stuff. One of the smart things that they've done is actually not trade him and really not trade John Gray because he's under the same principle. He's not as good as Marquez, but under the same principle, you have a guy who has kind of figured out Coors to a degree and can survive there. Now they should have traded him last year. When he was going to be, a or they should, or they should have QO'd or him. Q- at least. Well, yeah, one of the two. I'm not giving them any pass for that. They are the dumbest organization in this sport by by far, and probably in all of the four major sports. But the one smart thing that they've done is keep Herman Marquez. Mm-hmm. So, but for fantasy, you and I, we can't do it, and I, no. I don't think people should because I, unless you're willing to outside of best ball in best yeah, ball, where I move him way up my board. Yeah, I'll best take, ball. One hundred great innings I can get from him. Yeah, I move best ball is fine because yeah, yeah. He, he, you. But it's just so hard to predict 
you know, I'd rather take Antonio Senzatella, you know, 200 picks later. later. Or Gomber. Um, Yeah, or Gomber or um, Freeland, guys like that. Like, if I'm going to take a Rockies pitcher, like, I want no price attached to it because it's so hard to use because it's really, it's really just in a DC. You're just you're you're looking for healthy innings at some point. Yes, like I use Sensatella a lot. Colorado innings. Yeah, in some of my really successful teams last year, I used Sensatella a fair amount because he was healthy and he was going mm-hmm. deep into games and like you know it, he pitched pretty well. He did. Sensatella had a nice season: four forty two ERA for one hundred fifty six and two thirds. That's a nice little season from Sensatella when you got yeah. half your games in that park. So yeah, it's just a it's just a price and and management thing with marquez he has value and it is the it is best balls that you would want to take him but everything else it's difficult and it's just not juice isn't worth the squeeze so gosman for me verlander kershaw marquez for you uh as starting pitcher buxton and hanniger for you in the outfield although i sway john hanniger a little bit miles straw and eddie rosario for me unless i'm planning a straw build although i'm just not doing that bryant riley at third base for us uh bryant for you riley for me Seeger Correa at short for you, Wander Franco for me, Muncie McNeil at second for you, Jazz Chisholm for me, Vlad Jr., Matt Olson at first for you, Jose Abreu for me. Both of us share Sal Perez. You went Vasquez and I went Zanino. And those are guys that were fading at their current prices. Things can change, but right now they don't have a, a price range that's really getting us in on those guys. And, uh, you know, again, this is something that's been talked about more than ever in the community about culling your draft list. I think it can be really valuable to go through and just remove the guys that you just you have no interest in. I know some people are scared to do that. Like, well, what if it comes up in the draft? Well, you'll see them in the draft room still. If you really want to, like, go back on it, you know, you take them off your Excel, but then you see them in the board. If you really come back in on Miles Straw because he's pick 200, you can still get back in. Taking them off your board doesn't mean you can't draft them, mm-hmm. but I think calling down the players that you want to take and mapping out how you really want to get your draft, I think it's very useful, and it's something that we're seeing more and more, and it's it's an NFBC influence for sure. I think what it does is help you, help prevent you from making the kind of mistake that a lot, that I know I make, that a lot of other people make in terms of, you know, you're in a draft and you go, man, this guy slipped so far. I don't really like him, but he slipped so far. Like he's, a, he's a yep. value now. Yeah. And what do you do with that nebulous value? Like what, what is that value yeah. to you if it doesn't fit your team? Well, well, and, but if it's not really a value, if that's not where you have them personally. Value. Also true. Yeah. Then we, you're, you're going back to ADP to, to generate this value. You know, there, there's something I've been, you know, talking about a lot the last few years um, that, uh, you know, one of uh, one of my old writers at Friends of Vincent Benefits used to say is um, ADP weights a first place team and a 15th place team the same mm-hmm. for every good pick. There is a shitty pick too weighted in ADP. True. So like ADP is fine to use and you should use it as a tool, but you should not be picking off of it. Exactly. And you should not determine your values off of it and say, I'm getting him at a value because of his 80. That doesn't really like, again, that's nebulous value to me. What do you, what do you do with it? If you just keep BPAing too, like your best player available. My two worst picks in my main events last year were based on exactly that. I went, he's way past his max pick. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and or he's a too good of a value here. I didn't like him. I didn't want him on my team. Charlie Blackman on both main event teams, Zach Gallen, an injured Zach Gallen on another. Oh, yeah, yeah, had to quote, quote unquote. And, had to yeah, and I was like, this is too good a value to pass up. So taking guys like that off of your list prevents you in the draft to going, oh man, you know, this dude, Chris Bryant, he's at 140. He's past his max. Um, I should take him just because he's that far. And you shouldn't. If that's not where you have him value, don't take yep. him there. Yep. No, exactly. And um, I think getting away from that and and not hyper-focusing on, oh, he's a value here. Again, what what does that mean? What's the value? Mm-hmm. Don't do it. So anyway, that's going to do it. That's a little some fades. And it's less about these guys specifically, but more about finding your own guys and, and cutting those guys out and not taking them and not worrying about ADP when it comes to this guy's a value. But then the guy that you love is, say, he's two rounds cheaper. At a certain point, those two rounds don't matter. Mm-hmm. Take the guy that you actually love even if it's a little early related to ADP, because that doesn't, it, it, it just doesn't matter to wait for ADP values. Yeah. Build the team that you want to build that you have in mind. And if you were taking Blackman when you thought you were going to get like speed that round or something, but you took him because he's a BPA with his average and, and being in cores, then you missed out on that speed or that pitcher that you probably could have used. You can screw yourself. So yeah. anyway, good stuff there, Justin. Um, I hope you have a great weekend and, Maybe we'll come back with some good news next week about uh, baseball being played, but right now it's kind of bleak, so I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) All right, man. Have a good weekend. Take it easy.